The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, everybody, to our opening session of our 2022 uh, CCB Conference and Convention. Uh, this is Gabe Griffith. I am your president and presiding officer for this evening. So uh, we welcome you in here tonight. Our convention theme this year is Navigating the Future Together. And we want to thank Artist Bazin for submitting that theme. <clears throat> um, tonight, we are going to... Um, have our uh, opening invocation, flag salute, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, the uh, Pledge of Allegiance and uh, National Anthem. We will then hear from President Dan Spoon, myself, Government Affairs, Nominating and Credentials, and uh, Constitution and Bylaw, uh, Bylaws Committee. It's hard to break that habit, um, even after all these years. Um, so, Welcome to everybody. Uh, it should be an exciting evening tonight and for the next couple of days. So sit back, enjoy, and uh, hope, to, hope to have your attendance and, and participation. Um, first thing up that we're going to do is our Pledge of Allegiance, performed for us this evening by Jeff Tom. A board, our, one of our board members from Sacramento, California, and Frank Welty, who is a board member from San Leandro, California. So go ahead and hit it, guys. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God. Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. And such coordination to go back and forth between you two. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Jeff. And thank you, Frank. And uh, next up, we have our national anthem performed for us this evening by the Angel, Angel City Chorale from, um, from Los Angeles. Should be a treat. So let's go sit back there.
there was a treat to listen to. Thank you to the Angel City Corral for that performance. And thank you to Guillermo Robles for arranging that for us tonight. Um, next up, we are going to hear our chapter and affiliate roll call. This is Regina Brink, and we are the ACB Capital Chapter of Sacramento, the Camellia Capital of the World, the City of Trees, and the home of the original Pony Express. We are strong advocates at the state and local level in areas such as transit, web access, and vision loss services. We promote independence and empowerment. We also pursue innovative chapter projects and have fun doing it. Come join us. The Active Blind Inland Valleys chapter was formed in 1994. We are, as our name says, active in life and in service. We are famous for our Saturday hangout calls that started at the beginning of the pandemic. We hold our meetings virtually on the third Saturday of the month via Zoom. You can Contact me at blind.lcsw at gmail.com. And this is Christy Crespin, President. Hello, I'm Patty Nash, President of Daveview Chapter. We kind of call ourselves the Sharing Caring Chapter. We keep in touch and disseminate information to our members each week in a phone conversation so that we can improve the quality of the lives of our members and hopefully of all blind people in the state. I was reminded of the many illustrious leaders that we've had in our chapter. We had Bob Campbell, we had George Fogarty, Kathy Skivers, John DiFrancesco, and they were all people whose shoes would really be hard to fill. But we looked up to them and we really appreciate all the contributions that they've made our lives into the chapter two. Hello, everyone. This is Roxanne Stallings. I represent the Contra Costa chapter. Our chapter has a new focus this year. We're trying to help each other develop our technical electronic skills. So we're uh, training each other and also looking for speakers who would like to give us trainings. Hi, my name is Matthew Sillinger. I'm the secretary of the Fresno, California Council of the Blind chapter. Our meetings meet on the second Saturday of every month via Zoom from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. And we will also be going out into the community once a month doing activities such as going to the movies and having ice cream and socializing. If you would like to be involved, please email ccbfresno at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Anthony Siguerello, the president of the Glendale Burbank Area Chapter of the California Council of the Blind. On even-numbered months, we hold a conference call for a book club on the last Thursday of that month. We hold a iPhone lab in conjunction with the Greater LA Chapter. In order to get further information, call 818-646-7664. Hi, everybody. This is Chris Vendrick, Greater Bakersfield Council of the Blind President from the Southern San Joaquin Valley. 
we represent about 20 different members of the local area here and work on different advocacy issues with our citizens of Bakersfield. Bakersfield is known for agriculture and oil and known for country western sound of the of the Bakersfield sound and have people like Buck Owens, Merle Haggard, and Dwight Yoakum is actually a special guest here. Hi, this is Steve Bauer, president of the Greater Los Angeles chapter with members throughout LA County and beyond. We continue to conduct most of our activities on Zoom, along with a few in-person social events. We hold our chapter meetings on the third Saturday of each month at noon with great guest speakers, member profiles, discussion of advocacy concerns, and our outstanding monthly legislative report. You can also join our iPhone lab on the fourth Saturday of every other month at 1 p.m., held in conjunction with Glendale Burbank, and our popular audio-described movie nights via Zoom. We publicize all our activities on the CCBL listserv. For more info or our Zoom link, email ccbgreaterla at gmail.com. California Council of the Blind High Desert Chapter. Our president is Jorini Dobbins, 760-245-7137. We meet in Victorville, California at present on the phone. And we are a chapter of great love and are honored to be here at the convention of the California Council of the Blind. Inland Empire Chapter. My name is Christine Bailey. We meet the second Saturday of every month. You can check the California Council of the Blind website for any information. We have our White King Bullathon in October. We raise money for our college student scholarships and any other future projects we may plan. And we also socialize. We go to the movies watching video descriptive movies and out to lunch and we hope to see you and have you join us we'd be looking forward to have new friendships being developed thank you hi i'm larry gassman president of the orange county chapter for ccb we're currently doing virtual meetings in southern california but we're working on hybrid meetings we love being together and getting together, and that hasn't happened very often over the last couple of years or so. The chapter is about 20 members currently, but we're looking for more. So if you'd like to come by and just visit, let me know. You can find me on the CCB website. Thanks so much, and we hope to have you with us at a meeting real soon. This is Deborah Gossett, San Bernardino chapter. We do a lot of community work. Our pet project is. Ronald McDonald House. We uh, support the children there with turning in tabs. We've also put in audible crossings and we also put in bus stops. Greetings to all of CCB from the San Francisco chapter. This is Vita Zavoli. We are a busy and active chapter working on grants for school-aged children, accessible transportation, and other advocacy efforts, a financial relief fund, programs, outreach, and more. As part of navigating the future together this year, we are planning outings to encourage being outdoors and reconnecting in person. We believe in the power of teamwork and inclusion and eating lots of food, especially trying foods from different cultures. Join us. 
Hello, this is Dan Paulding. I'm currently serving as the president of the San Gabriel Valley Chapter, and some of our meetings have consisted of having speakers such as one of our own members who has traveled to several countries, such as India, Dubai, Tahiti, Israel, and she was just recently giving us talks about these countries and in the COVID perspective as well as as a blindness perspective. We've had a person from the Dale McIntosh Center, which is a center for the aging, and they can evaluate and come out to homes and bring devices that would enhance the independence of blind persons. And I hope everyone is doing well, and um, I'm looking forward to speaking with a lot of you during convention. Thank you so very much. God bless. Rob Turner, President, Silicon Valley Council of the Blind, chartered in 1987. By participating in the Lion's Eyeglasses Project, we are giving back to our community. This project provides needy individuals with refurbished eyewear worldwide. Our monthly newsletter keeps our members coming back, and that makes us strong. To learn more about SVCB, please visit our website at svcb.cc. The Braille Revival League of California, BRLC, promotes increased acceptance and use of Braille in our blind community and also advocates for increased availability of Braille in the communities where we live. If you care about Braille, or if you want to learn more about Braille, please join BRLC. The California Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, CAAVL, promotes community, full inclusion, opportunity, and high quality programs, products, and services for older, blind, and visually impaired Californians, the largest segment of our state's blind community. Join our cavalry and help make California the best place to be for our older blind residents. Hello everyone, my name is Aaron Espinoza and I currently serve as the president for the California Council of Blind Students. I just wanna tell you guys if you guys can join us in the future at our monthly membership meetings that we have, it'll be great. We have them every first Sunday of the month at 7 p.m. We plan a lot of fun activities throughout the year, as well as work on a lot of exciting initiatives. So once again, I hope you can join us and have fun. Hello, I am Dr. Kathy Schmidt Whitaker, Interim President of the California Council of Citizens with Low Vision, CCCLV. We provide advocacy, outreach, education, and support our members. Currently, we are focused on re-energizing CCCLV by updating our governing documents and officer positions. We seek you to join us in empowering ourselves through meaningful programs and services. The California Diabetics in Action has been a long time coming and was the dream of people like Ken Metz. As of April 14th, we were accepted as an affiliate of CCB and we have 15 chapter members. You can contact me, Christy Crespin, President, 
at blind.lcsw at gmail.com. Hi, my name is Pamela Metz, and I'm president of Kahlua Library Users of California. We are an advocacy organization that strives to promote the right of blind and visually impaired adults in the state of California to access to all types of books and libraries. We also love to read. Did I say we love to read? We read all types of books. We have a book club. We have someone who actually puts up a list of books from BARD for everybody to, to read and see if there's anything interesting they might like to read. Hello, CCB. This is Susan Glass, president of Golden State Guide Dog Handlers, Inc., or GSGDHI. I'm excited to tell you that this summer, our peer-to-peer committee will sponsor two useful Zoom programs, the first on reducing our own anxieties when traveling with our dogs, and the second on helping our dogs when they seem anxious. Incidentally, you don't need to have a guide dog in order to become a member of our affiliate. To learn more about us, please call our Google message line and tell us how to get in touch with you, and we certainly will do so quickly. The number to call is 415-340-0607. Thank you. Hi, I'm Paul Patchy II. I'm president of the Randolph Shepherd Vendors of California. We are the California affiliate of the Randolph Shepherd Vendors of America. We are made up of the blind vendors here in California. We advocate for basically the blind, the blind vendors and also try to work to better the uh, business enterprise program here in California. That was great to hear from all of those chapters and affiliates, uh, the act, how active everybody is, um, learning. Uh, I think we've all had to adjust, so it's great to see how everyone has learned to uh, navigate this uh, through the pandemic and stay active, stay together. Uh, I've always said that California Council of the Blind has something for everybody, and listening to those introductions from everybody there, uh, I think it reinforces that. Um, so thank you to all of those chapter and affiliates for taking the time to help us put that together. And thank you to Rob Turner for organizing it. <clears throat> um, I don't know if you guys can hear it. I have felt for the last couple of weeks, like I am losing my voice and it's just not getting better. So, um, <laughs> hopefully it's coming across and hopefully it lasts throughout tonight. Um, Next up, we have our convention rules that we will be adopting. So we can go ahead and play those. CCB Virtual Convention Rules, Section 5.2.1 of the California Council of the Blind Bylaws require that at the beginning of each convention, the membership assembled shall adopt convention rules. The rules for the virtual CCB conference and convention are as follows. Registered attendees may join the convention via the Zoom platform or by listening in on ACB Media. If you attend using the Zoom platform, the following rules apply. All participants will be automatically muted when you enter the Zoom webinar room. Only those participating via the Zoom platform will have the ability to call to the floor or speak to the assembly during the convention. If you are seeking the floor for any purpose, you must raise your hand to join the queue to be recognized. From your landline phone, press star 9. Press Alt-Y on your PC or Command-Y on your Mac. And on your smartphone or tablet application, 
Locate the raise hand button at the bottom of the screen and double tap. Important, the raise hand command is a toggle. If you enter this command a second time, you will lower your hand. The moderator will always lower your hand for you. Asking for the floor. The moderator will alert the chair that someone is asking for the floor. This will result in the chair recognizing you and the moderator will unmute you, allowing you to speak. The moderator will then lower your hand. When you are finished speaking, the moderator will then mute your line again. Virtual convention etiquette. The conference and convention is a live event. To ensure a good experience for all attendees, rules must be followed. Anyone not following these rules may be dropped from the convention and could be blocked from attendance. If your microphone is live for any reason, do not mute or unmute yourself unless instructed by the chair or moderator. Doing so will interfere with the convention. Foul language, broadcast of inappropriate video, etc. will not be tolerated. Any individual engaging in such behavior will be immediately dropped and blocked by the moderator. Raise your hand only when you wish to ask for the floor. Wait to be recognized by the moderator. The moderator will alert the chair of those seeking the floor in the order hands are raised. While your hand is raised and you are waiting to speak, make sure your surroundings are quiet. Turn down the radio, ask others in the room to please stop talking, stop rattling paper, washing dishes, setting the microwave, etc. Remember that background noise is amplified when you are on the air and it is irritating to others. All convention matters requiring a vote will be handled to the best ability in accordance with the CCB bylaws, CCB tradition, and the latest version of Robert's Rules of Order. The bylaws committee chair will serve as parliamentarian. Standing rules. Each debatable issue before the convention shall be limited to approximately 20 minutes, with a two-minute time limit per speaker, alternating between affirmative and opposing speakers. A majority of the members must agree in order to extend debate for an additional period of time. This will be done by using the raise hand feature on Zoom. The moderator will alert the chair if there is a majority. Motions to close debate will not be recognized by the chair during the first debate period. After the first debate period, properly made motions such as, I call for the question, or I move the previous question, will be handled by the chair and voted on by the assembly. The chair may close debate when no one seeks the floor. Each member is respectfully urged to speak directly to the issue before the assembly and avoid unnecessary and time-consuming dialogue. No member will be recognized a second time to debate unless there is not anyone else wishing to debate on that side. The chair shall appoint a timekeeper at the beginning of the debate period. Recognition to speak will be given to those members who properly address the chair. Motions that may interrupt a speaker may be called by using the raise hand feature on Zoom, responded to by the chair, and explained by the mover if requested by the chair. Examples. Point of order. Point of information. Parliamentary inquiry. Question of privilege. Call for orders of the day, etc. Changes to the published convention program may be proposed to the membership as deemed necessary by the presiding officer or his or her appointee. The presiding officer will explain the reason for such change and inform the assembly of their right to question the recommended modification. After this explanation, if 25 or more members object to the proposed change by virtually standing by using the raise hand feature on Zoom in objection, the change requires debate and a majority vote to modify the convention program. During the election of CCB officers and directors, nominating and seconding speeches shall be limited to five minutes per candidate with the speaking time allocated according to the candidate's wishes. 
A person nominated for an office more than once shall be given one minute. Anyone meeting the requirement of voting of being a member of CCB in accordance with the CCB bylaws is entitled to vote on any matter coming before the convention, provided that the person's name appears on a chapter or affiliate certified membership list submitted 30 days prior to convention, and that chapter or affiliate has paid their membership dues, or an individual has paid their at-large membership dues directly to CCB. During a record vote, membership will be certified by CCB volunteers. Voting instructions for the CCB virtual convention. Elections. Whenever an officer or board of directors election is contested, a CCB member who has paid their dues of the current year prior to the credentials deadline will be eligible to vote. Delegate votes will be cast live on Zoom platform. Delegate votes will be calculated by a CCB treasurer. Chapter and affiliate delegates will be asked to raise their virtual hand to be given the ability to unmute themselves when called upon to cast their vote. Delegates should remute themselves immediately following the casting of their vote. A member will cast his or her individual vote by using a landline phone or smartphone to call or text. CCB members who are certified to have paid their membership dues by the deadline will receive information prior to convention that will contain their assigned phone number to be used to cast their individual vote. CCB volunteers will be recording the individual votes. Members will be instructed as to when it is time to cast their individual votes. If a member has misplaced their assigned voting phone number, they will be able to call an information line to retrieve their information. The information line phone number will be announced during elections. When voting, you must provide your full name in order to establish your eligibility to vote, as well as the person for whom you are voting for. Please note, your vote will still count even if you misspell the name of the candidate in a text message. CCB volunteers will not disclose how anyone cast their individual votes. CCB volunteers are instructed to confirm text message votes. It may take up to 10 minutes to receive this confirmation depending on the volume of calls and text messages they are receiving. Please be patient. After the final votes have been cast, CCB volunteers will send the calculated member votes to the CCB appointed representative to be added to the delegate vote. Once individual and delegate votes are calculated, the chair will announce the result. Bylaw Amendments and Resolutions After there has been a thorough discussion on any bylaw amendment or resolution as described in the standing rules, the chair will ask if any members object to the bylaw amendments or resolution to raise their virtual hand. If more than 10 members raise their hand, a virtual voice vote will be called with virtual raised hands representing members' voices. This concludes the reading of the convention rules. Thank you for that reading of the convention rules. I did forget to mention that that, uh, that our CCB bylaws state that at the beginning of each convention, we will adopt standing rules. So that's part of, uh, part of why we're doing that. Um, do I have a motion to adopt these standing rules? So moved. Second. I Penny. heard a motion. I heard from Larry, I believe. I heard a second from Penny. At this time, is there anybody that wishes to speak to this or have any questions about these rules? If so, please raise your hand and our moderator will let us know if there's any hands up and we will recognize you i think we i think this is one that we say that uh unless we have 10 is it unless we have 10 people am i right on that um objecting to these um 
standing rules that we will consider them adopted. So if you object, go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, if we don't have 10 people raise their hands, we'll consider these adopted. We'll give it a moment. Do we have any hands going up? None. None? None, none. We'll give it another 17 yes. seconds or so here. And Lisa, if you can get ready in a moment, I'd like to have you come give a door prize. Three, two, one. Okay, do we still not have any hands up? No hands. Okay, guess what, folks? We have just conducted our first major order of business. We have adopted convention rules for the next three and a half days or so. Um, so, with that, since I'm running for office tomorrow night, I would like to have Lisa give away a door prize. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably have cost me a dollar if I was at my in-laws for a bad joke. <laughs> Don't come over here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do a door prize. Hey. Uh, we are going to do a $25 Amazon gift card. And let's spin the wheel. And our first winner is Miss Joni Patchy. Yay, Joni. Yay, Joni. And who, who, which chapter donated? Did I miss that? Oh, yeah. Do we know who donated which prizes actually, on that one, Lisa? Actually, I missed that. I'm sorry. Um, that was donated by the Contra Costa chapter. Yay, Contra Costa. Okay. Um, thank you to Contra Costa for donating that door prize and congratulations to Joni for winning it <clears throat> all right and Lisa we will have you back a couple more times tonight to give more because Lisa likes giving out door prizes <laughs> all right next up um, for navigating the future together theme we have all the way in from Florida ACB President Dan Spoon. And uh, Dan, you must have flown pretty quickly because I think when I was just on a, a um, call with you a couple of hours ago, you were still in Florida. So <laughs> Dan, Dan is in your, what, you're entering about your third year as ACB President. So we're going to hear Dan talk to us today about the present and future of ACB. And uh, What's going on with ACBs? How are you doing right. this evening? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. All and right. I would like to thank uh, yourself, Gabe Griffith, as the president of CCB, and Sarah Harris, the first vice president who I've been communicating with. Also like to recognize uh, Judy Wilkinson, the immediate past president. Jeff Tom, I have to give the shout out to him, a long-term serving <laughs> board member on the American Council of Blind. And also Mitch Pomerantz, who I came into ACB on the board with as a past president of the American Council of Blind. So I just uh, want to say thank you so much for inviting me, Gabe and Sarah and team. And it's a real pleasure to be here this evening. 
to talk to you about the American Council of the Blind that we are all a member of. And I believe just an exciting set of events and activities that have taken place as part of our blind and low vision community here over the last year. And I just first want to take a moment and just thank everybody for all of their wonderful participation uh, at their local chapter, affiliate level, uh, inside of the California Council of the Blind. And for many of you that serve on committees, uh, participate in community events, host, facilitate community events, and just generally support the work of the American Council of the Blind and the California Council of the Blind. I think at times we get all caught up in the details and we really don't take the opportunity to say thank you. So thank you, thank you, thank you uh, from the bottom of our heart and from our ACB leadership. What you do is truly making a difference in our community. We have really, I think, some exciting uh, new hires with inside the American Council of Blind that I'd like to share with you all this evening since our last ACB convention. Uh, most recently, we have hired a new American Council of the Blind ACB media and IT manager, Rick Morin from Massachusetts. And we have hired a new ACB media coordinator, contractor, Larry Gassman from California. Yay, Larry. Uh, also, <laughs> we have hired uh, a new administrative assistant, Caitlin Herrera, in our Alexandria office. And we have two new hires in our Minneapolis office. First, uh, Julie Fisher, who is our new HR specialist working with uh, all the employees at the thrift store and handling all our employee HR uh, issues. And then our newest hire is Chris Sawyer, who is our new general manager over the thrift stores, our two thrift stores in Lubbock and Amarillo, Texas. And we really have not had anybody in this position for really a, a long, long, num large number of years. And we have really seen good sustained growth in these two thrift stores. And we think there's additional uh, income and revenue uh, to be had. Uh, we, uh, so our ACBES board uh, recommended the hiring of a a supervisor, general manager for the thrift stores that could really concentrate. Chris comes to us with over 20 years of retail experience in the thrift store business. And uh, uh, Jeff and I had the pleasure of meeting with him on our ACBES board just, uh, just two weeks ago. And he brings a lot of energy, vitality, uh, him and Nancy Marks Becker, our chief financial officer, just returned from week's visit down in West Texas. And uh, you all will get to hear and learn more about Chris, uh, Julie, uh, Caitlin, and of course, Rick and Larry in our upcoming ACB conference and convention. And registration opened today. So hope everybody is out there uh, registering, registering, registering for our wonderful ACB conference and convention for 2022 here, there, and everywhere. And I don't think any theme could be more appropriate than what we've all gone through over the last several years with the pandemic, how it has changed our lives. And I think 
also offered us a lot of opportunities for change and for advancement. We saw one of those here last year when as a membership body, we all voted uh, to permanently put uh, individual voting for all members uh, in our constitution and bylaws. And so again, this year at our annual meeting, uh, all members will, whether they're at the convention or not, will have the right to vote, vote independently, vote with full access through the Vote Now system. So please, everybody, be on the lookout for your letter from Vote Now or your email uh, that will lay out your code uh, for this year's upcoming convention and elections and also how, uh, you know, how the whole process will work. Uh, it lays out the different opportunities for voting. We will have five board of uh, directors positions and three board of publications positions open for, for election this year. Our convention is kind of reminds me a little bit of the CCB convention last year. It's, it's quite a, it's a little bit of an extended event this year. We had recommendations both from our voting task force 2.0, chaired by Pat Sheehan and Vice Chair Jeff Tom, along with our resolutions task force, uh, chaired by Ray Campbell with Deb Cook-Lewis and Gabriel Griffin, and really focusing on how could we bring resolutions and the voting for resolutions back to our membership at this year's hybrid convention? And how can we make sure and ensure that everyone has equal access to the ballot box? And so the convention will run uh, an extended period of time. It will kick off uh, unofficially on June 18th, the day before Father's Day with our ACB auction. And so, uh, that is really an exciting event between the two appetizer auctions on the 16th and 17th and the live auction on Saturday night, uh, the 18th. I believe right now they're up to 140 different items that will be up for bid. So it'll be uh, lots of wonderful items and goodies out there for everybody to bid on and we hope everybody participates and bids, bids, bids. And then on the 22nd of June, we will actually gavel in the ACB 2022 ACB conference and convention, and more importantly, our annual business meeting. Uh, we needed to do this so we could read the standing rules, read our first uh, credentials report. Uh, we'll have a whole wonderful expose from all of our vendors that will be participating in our uh, vendor exhibit hall. And then on the 23rd, 24th, and 25th, we'll have three days of Zoom and ACB media virtual convention breakout sessions and primetime shows. Uh, they'll feature our Friends and Art Showcase on Thursday night, the 23rd, and then uh, a presentation of the Academy Award-winning movie CODA on Saturday the 25th uh, in the evening. So lots of wonderful activities over that three-day session. 
then we will take a little breather and we'll begin our hybrid portion of the convention on July 1st through July 8th. July 1st, we'll have our ACB Board of Directors pre-convention board meeting. Then we'll have breakout sessions on Friday afternoon, all day Saturday, leading up to the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, six o'clock on Saturday evening. The walk will actually lead into the opening session, which will start at seven o'clock central. Uh, and it'll be our normal opening session with people in the in the ballroom as well uh, as participating virtually on Zoom and on ACB Media. We'll introduce our DKM award winners, our lifetime members. Uh, we'll have a live roll call. So we're kind of getting back to normal, edging back into, you know, a little more of a standard world. And then we'll have general sessions and breakout sessions Sunday through Wednesday. And then Thursday will really be a day dedicated to all uh, voting on pretty much all of our resolutions. Uh, Gabe, I don't know what the last count was, but I think we're somewhere between 25 and 30 resolutions at this point in time. So uh, be a lots of opportunity for discussion. And again, it will be owned by the members. And then the final three days after folks return home, if they're in person or take a little breath over the weekend, on July 11th, 12th, and 13th at 7 o'clock central each night, uh, we will have, um, you know, we'll kind of conclude the individual voting and start the roll call voting for any resolutions that required amendments uh that uh, had a roll call vote requested. And we'll also hear the second reading or any of our constitution and bylaw amendments, and we'll have debate on those. On July 12th, if necessary, we'll have a vote on any amendments to the proposed amendments to the constitution and bylaws. That one's kind of hard to say. And then on the 13th, we will have the final record vote if, if voice vote was not good enough on any resolutions and our constitution and bylaw amendments. So that's the voting that'll take place on the 11th, 12th, and 13th. Your voting code will be good for all uh, elections, all ballots throughout the week. Uh, so please, when you get that code, make sure and hold on to it. Again, you can vote by phone, you can vote by email, you can vote automated, automated on your phone or with operator assistance. We'll also have a voting precinct set up in Omaha for those who would like to vote in a polling place uh, during the individual election vote. So more details to come. Please stay tuned for, uh, for uh, all the wonderful updates that are coming out on Voting Task Force 2.0. They're doing sessions uh, the different affiliates and different uh, groups uh, leading up to the convention. So please uh, avail yourself of these opportunities to learn, learn how voting and resolutions will take place at this year's convention. Also want to highlight all the wonderful tours that we're going to have going on. We've got a baseball game and fireworks on the 4th of July, a dinner cruise down the Missouri River on Wednesday, a dinner party on Friday, uh, we have uh, civil rights museums that we're going to visit. 
a walk over a pedestrian bridge that spans Nebraska and Iowa and chocolate factory tours and many, many more just wonderful events throughout the week. So please take a look at all of the tours. We'll also have an audio described tour channel with all kinds of wonderful national parks and venues that'll be available for our virtual uh, attendees, as well as a virtual exhibit hall to go along with the in-person exhibit hall in Omaha. So if you have any more questions about the conventions, please contact Janet Dickelman, and I think everybody has her number. Also like to talk a little bit about our advocacy efforts over the last 12 months. And I really want to continue to highlight how the American Council of the Blind is truly becoming a chief influencer in the blind and low vision community. We have been leaders since the beginning of this pandemic with our work at doing first two virtual uh, conventions and two virtual DC leadership conferences. And now, as far as I know, the first truly hybrid uh, convention. So again, we are we are out there cutting a trail, blazing, uh, blazing a path that really is trying to be inclusive for all of our members and give everybody a chance to participate. We also want to highlight our ability to be a chief influencer in the work we're doing with the National Institutes of Health related to accessible COVID testing. I had the opportunity to just... Um, participate yesterday in a second listening session with the uh, rapid uh, acceleration team that is working to modify existing tests to make them accessible for our community. Uh, We had the first listening session with NIBIB about 45 days ago, and at that session, ACB was truly represented uh, by Jeff Tom, who represented AAVL in the uh, senior population that deals with uh, accessibility issues re- related to uh, COVID test kits. We had Kim Charlson, our immediate past president, who represented Perkins. Uh, we had Claire Stanley, former uh, advocacy specialist for ACB, who represented NDRN. And we also had Clark Rackful, our advocacy director, and myself. ACB was really well represented, and they listened. They listened, and they learned, and we saw real fruits of that in the follow-up listening session here yesterday, where they have evaluated the top 24 accessible test kits. They've kind of broken them into a couple of different categories, ones that, that deal with the kind of that that liquid acid stuff that, you know, goes in the tubes and comes out and does the drops on the board and you have to measure them that are totally inaccessible for us. And so they highlighted all kinds of improvements they're making in those test kits. And they're really focusing on what they call the reading assistant types of tests that allow for things like smart devices to be hooked up into the testing kits uh, to allow audible feedback and readout of results. And so it was very interesting to see how much they're moving forward. We really see this, they see this as in three different levels. 
So the first is the true short-term, what can we do with existing test kits to make them accessible that doesn't require going back to the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, to require any additional clinical tests or these type of things, but can be done without having to have FDA approval. Those types of accessibility changes, they think they can have to the market within the next three to six months. Then for the next level where they're going to require FDA changes, it's going to be more six months to the next year and a half to two years. They will require clinical trials and really significant changes to the product. And then the third and final, which I think is the most exciting to us, is a commitment we've got from Director Tromberg that they are going to work to really improve the entire area of accessible home testing for a true long-term solution that is designed with accessibility in mind for our blind and low vision community, as well as those uh, in the senior community and those with high dexterity type of issues. So uh, that uh, you'll see a report from Dr. Tromberg, his kind of summary remarks from the first listening session, hopefully in the next dots and dashes, where he really makes a commitment to our community to make a difference here when it comes to uh, accessible home testing. Also want to really highlight the work we've done in audio description with our first ever AD Awards Gala. Wow, what an exciting event that was. We had cameo appearances from Jason Momoa and Kurt Warner, my favorite, favorite Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, it was emceed by Thomas Reed, a blind member of our Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Council of the Blind, did a great job as an MC. We had thousands of people participate. Uh, the gala raised over $68,000. It was broadcast on Peacock streaming service, and I think really highlighted audio description uh, to the industry, to the streaming industry, to the broadcast industry. We've gotten a lot of energy and buy-in uh, to kind of continue to grow to the AD Awards Gala this year. It will be the second annual event will be held on November 16th of 2022. So put that down on your calendars and save that day. We have our two co-chairs for the event this year. The first is Matt Ader, who's a vice president of marketing from Vespiro and also a member of the ACB advisory board. Shout out to Mitch Pomerantz for pushing us to get that advisory board going and growing. I know he's got to have a smile on his face. And second uh, co-chair is Karen Kinniger, who is the immediate past director of the NLS Braille and Talking Book Library, who's coming on board to help us really put uh, some real oomph behind our AD Awards Gala. So we've got all kinds of contributors from Joe Strecce with Apple and Tom Lukowski from uh, Universal, uh, uh, NBC Universal and on and on and on. So I think it's going to be a wonderful event and please stay tuned for that. Also want to highlight the work that the audio description team is doing related to the National Park Services and the Unity Project. 
we have now received a total of $375 in grant money from Google that has been um, shared between the American Council of the Blind and the University of Hawaii and the National Park Service with the goal to audio describe all of the visitor brochures in our over 400 national parks and historic areas. Uh, the first of the field trips uh, when the Unity project was getting started was the Fresno chapter right in California with Sarah Harris and team that took a whole bus of folks over to Yosemite and saw the wonderful accessibility that was available there. And we've had uh, other members of the California Council that have participated, uh, Frank and uh, Susan Glass and many others that participated in going to the Presidio just a couple of weeks ago to do a sound listening tour, uh, uh, you know, right there in the California area in the Presidio and some wonderful soundscape type of new audio description that is being created with a grant, again, uh, that was done in conjunction with the University of Hawaii and the American Council of the Blind. So we're making wonderful strides there. Uh, please download the Unity app and, uh, and take a listen, and we'll have Descriptathon 9. The next round of that will be rolling out uh, this fall. So thanks to everybody for all their hard work in that area. And California had the first 15 parks that we did our field testing on and went out and visited. And we really appreciate the partnership with the chapters and the California Council of the Blind. We're also really honored to recognize our, uh, our scholarship uh, committee for this year. We're going to have 21 more scholarships partnering with the American Foundation for the Blind. Uh, they're total $92,000 that we're giving away in scholarships this year to 21 scholarship winners. We are also going to invite our scholarship winners from 20 and 21 to co come and attend and get to be in person if they're available uh, for our convention in Omaha this year. And so we're going to have quite a crowd of scholarship winners and an opportunity for them to meet our ACB students and really hopefully be that new wave of, of blood and energy inside of our organization. We also have three years of our DKM, uh, JP Morgan Chase and, uh, and DKM first timer winners from 2021 and 22 that'll be attending the convention this year. And I've got to give a special shout out to Joe Green. Congratulations, Joe, who is our DKM first timer for West of the Mississippi. So look forward to getting to see you and meet you for the first time in Omaha this year. Uh, I also want to thank both Joe and Regina for the work they did on the DC Leadership Conference. We really wanted to highlight affiliates and chapters that are making a difference inside of ACB. And we thought it was really valuable to hear the story of the inclusion and equity chapter that CCB has gotten started and the wonderful work uh, that they've done really highlighting diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility inside of the American Council of the Blind. Also have to give a huge shout out to Guillermo Robles and Donna Pomerantz, who really worked uh, on a resolution and, and also worked 
to really put together our first Spanish language community event calls and then our Hispanic Latino subcommittee under the Multicultural Affairs Committee. Uh, we know uh, Guillermo had the opportunity to, to take that first good real job and we wish him well with that. But Guillermo got us started and we're now uh, happy that at this year's DC Leadership Conference, we were really able to provide um, different activities in Spanish and uh, are working with Catholic Charities to record eight hours of content from the DC Leadership Conference that will be available in Spanish language podcasts. So uh, we continue to work very hard at diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility inside of the American Council of the Blind. Um, boy, there's just so much going on. I, uh, you know, I could talk forever, Gabe, but I don't know. Do we want to uh, open it up for some questions? I uh, or yeah, what are your thoughts? Let's do that yeah. if if you're yeah. if you're willing to sit on the hot seat for a bit, we'll. Uh... Well, let's let some folks uh, see if we can get some questions here. Okay, that'd be great. If you, if you have a question for Dan, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll call on you. Donna Pomerantz. Okay. Hi there. <laughs> Hi, Donna. Hi. I've, it's only been a couple of weeks since I've seen you. It's only been a few, yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to say a huge thank you, Um you know, regarding ACB, um, just, you know, beginning to make active space for uh, the Latino Hispanic um, community. I'm really excited about that. And um, the question that I wanted to ask, because I might have missed it, I had not been able to participate in any of the listening calls. Um but I wanted to find out, uh, although Mitch and myself um, regarding voting, we're very, very excited that um, no matter what, um, people will be able to vote um, in all ACB matters. And that's extremely exciting. Um, you know, Mitch and I will be able to vote whether it's on computer or, you know, anything like that. But you know, I always remember, both of us always remember our friends who still use only the touchstone keypad of the telephone. And um, we were told that um, the, you know, ACB would be speaking to the company because there still were some glitches uh, for a few folks. And maybe it was a capacity thing um, at the last time. And so I'm wondering what came of that and uh, what, you know, what do you have in place so that our telephone people won't be, you know, unintentionally disenfranchised? Thank you so much. And again, we're so excited about this. Thank you. Sure. Um, so um, we've, we have brought that up with vote now and um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that. What we've tried to do, the voting task force recommended, is that, uh, you know, kind of extend the time. Uh, what kind of happens, and you kind of hit on this a little, Donna, you know, uh, uh, the, the voting, the precincts opened and boom, everybody calls in and they do have some opportunity where they kind of, you know, it kind of overruns the circuits for a little bit. Um, so what we've done is we've extended the time for the vote. So it's going to be for four hours. 
so, you know, the candidates will get introduced and do their uh, have their campaign speeches at the end of general session. And then from two to six central time, which would be 12 to four. Am I doing that right? Yes. Pacific time for <laughs> folks out on the, yes, on the sir, West coast. Yay, yeah, yeah. Uh, they will, um, you know, the, the, uh, it will be open for, for the individual vote. Uh, we will have uh, everybody, you can ex- access it, whether you uh, want to do it electronically through your email, or you can still use the phone to call in and vote. And they'll also have operators standing by that can provide assistance. Uh, we'll also have um, a help desk set up. So if anybody's having trouble, it's a little bit, little bit more complicated this year. Uh, because most of our staff is going to be in, in Omaha, as you can imagine. So, but they'll have access to uh, folks who call in with any issues and they'll troubleshoot those and get right back to uh, vote now. Uh, if we're having any problems, they can also assist if necessary with the voting. And then for people that are in person in Omaha, but again, uh, don't have smart devices or don't have computers uh, and and access to vote uh, through their phones, we will have a, a true polling place set up where we'll have dedicated phone lines right there at the convention center where people can call in. We'll also have an iPad available, a you know computer available. So we'll have multiple options available available for people uh, actually in Omaha. So we don't want to disenfranchise anybody, but no, gosh, no punch go- cards or no punch cards or hanging chats. No, no hanging well, chats. Well, but, if but, you need, yeah, if you need punch cards, I'll lend you a parrot, you know, our okay. Sounds good. But, but that's one. But, wonderful but, I, but having said that, that, gosh only yeah. knows if we don't have a, you know, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't say that we won't have any glitches because right. it's technology, but, no, but we're hopefully that. Yeah. Promoting yeah. that help desk is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Letting yeah. our phone people and others just know if you have problems, call that help desk. So that's yeah. absolutely yeah. wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate right. your response. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. How many hands do we have up just so we two. have an idea? Two. Okay. Just two. Yeah. We'll take those two hands because okay. I'd rather listen to Dan than me. So. Okay. Area code 916 ending in 307. Uh, you may speak. Okay. Hello, yeah. hello, Gene. How are you tonight? Hi, Dan. Okay. And yourself? Good. You sound really good, and I'm glad to hear it. I am very, and I and genuinely mean this, um, it's good to hear of the work that you and the council have been moving ahead on making more accessible um the rapid uh testing mm-hmm. and uh audio description and i was wondering with and this, i'm sorry this is going to be kind of a long way to wind it question um i want to know for those members who for a variety of reasons cannot afford or are unable of using smartphone technology, mm-hmm. what guarantees are going to be that um, in the long term that the testing will still be 
will be made accessible, that it be an integral part, accessibility into the various things like glucose testing devices to have an audible output so you don't need a smartphone. Um, to be able to get the descriptions of the national parks, that's still a large segment. And it's still a principle, of, as you know, too, of the ADA that um, you're not supposed to have um, to purchase or have to pay for your, uh, your the service or anything, which getting a smartphone for some people is the equivalent to having to pay a surcharge. And, and so what is going to be guaranteed? I know, the, you know, we're moving towards smartphones and that is the fact and will be the fact for an indefinite period of time forever. But what's going to happen to the population of people with print disabilities, including those with visual disability, be assured that they can still access devices without a smartphone, that it's totally standalone. And like, again, I know several members um, here in Sacramento that are diabetics but do not have smartphones, and they cannot utilize their diabetic testing equipment effectively. They have maybe some very, right. very low vision, and it's questionable. So I'll stop talking, but I was just wondering what the guarantees we're going to be doing. Well, I... First of all, I don't know that there's any guarantees, but ACB is advocating extremely hard for accessibility in all areas. And you hit several of them, Gene. So, you know, one of our uh, legislative imperatives this year was really dealing with accessibility when it comes to uh, level two and level three durable medical equipment. And as we know, whether it be a Freestyle Libre or Dextrose, uh, you know, all these different equipment manufacturers are really not making things truly accessible, right? So we're working, yep. uh, we're, we're working that through several different areas, whether it be with the uh, original equipment manufacturers, you know, Medicare and Medicaid, uh, you know, public awareness, we continue to really push that, as I kind of summarized our legislative imperatives this year, it was about accessibility, 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 and then more accessibility, right? I mean, it's where we're getting left behind in so many areas, whether it be... So in other words, in other words you're saying that we were... Um emphasizing accessibility? I believe so. Whether it be, okay. you know, uh, <laughs> exercise uh, and fitness equipment, whether it be, you know, websites and applications, whether it be durable medical equipment, this is, this is the true conundrum of our generation, I think, is the world is changing and we can't be an afterthought. And so accessibility... Great. I'm dealing with it right now with my own healthcare. I received a, a heart monitor that was not accessible, you know, that I had to have a sighted person come help me, you know, uh, change out the, you know, the, the remote control and make sure it was, you know, connecting to the smart device that was connecting back to the data center to make sure they were getting my images. And, and, you know, we are dealing with this over and over and over again. I don't know any, I know many of you, uh, when I go to the doctor now, 
you know, even my appointments and all that, they're, they're not sent to me with an email or, or a text message half the time anymore. I have to go into the MyChart application or the whatever application that mm-hmm. my health provider is saying is where all my information is stored that is, is challenged with accessibility itself. And so it, I agree with you, Gene. It's, it's very, very difficult. I mean, inside of ACB, we're always trying to make sure that all our members have full accessibility so they can participate uh, you know, without having to have a, a smart device, if it's calling in on their phone to be able to participate in Zoom meetings like you're doing here tonight, uh, you know, or with our Washington connection to get the word out. But it's, it's going to become more and more difficult as we move along. That's reality, and I appreciate it. And, and, I, and, and it means a great deal to me to hear it. Um, that you are um, trying to do access for everybody within our organization outside. So that I, I, I give you credit and thank you. And uh, I, I, again, uh, durable devices. I sure wish my CPAC machine was fully accessible. So <laughs> I imagine that's the list of things you have. Oh, but, oh for, for sure. Hey, and Gene, Thank thanks for much. all you do, and I and and uh, thanks for mentoring uh, Gabe Griffith. You know, <laughs> I'm proud to have done that to play that little role in it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, good night. Good night. It's a work in progress, though. It's a work in progress. That's right. <laughs> Deborah um, Armstrong. Good evening. I got active in ACB in March of 2020 when my employer allowed me to work remotely and ending my horrendous commute. You were already president. So Mm -hmm. my question is, when you were campaigning for president, what was a campaign promise you have been able to fulfill? Wow. What was a campaign (laughs) promise I was able to fulfill? Um, uh, Gosh, I, you know, um, I think we, you know, one of the things we campaigned on, on, on multiple different items. Uh, I, I, I think uh, one area that we, we kind of haven't touched on is really uh, the financial stability with inside the American Council of the Blind. And kind of it's it's been, you know, something that I've had the opportunity as president to, you know, be uh, resting on the shoulders of Kim Charlson before me and Mitch Pomerantz before her. But it's really been a journey inside of ACB to really get us to financial stability. And I think that's something um, because of a, a, a good stock market and people who have, have given us some nice bequests. But more importantly, I think a board and a leadership team that has worked very hard to increase our revenue and at the same time stay within our expense budget and really work hard to develop um, a new legacy endowment fund. Uh, One of the last things Mitch and I kind of collaborated on as he was going off of the board to put that policy in place along with David Trott and our entire board. And it has really paid dividends. Our legacy endowment fund is now up to almost $2 million, at least it was before a month ago. (laughs) We'll see how it's doing now. Uh, We also have a board reserve that has a year of operating expenses and a well-funded endowment 
to help support our scholarships and our DKM award winners. So I think what that has done is given us some flexibility to hire new employees, which has then led to additional services inside the organization. But to be totally on, honest with you, Debbie, I mean, the whole world kind of got thrown out the window uh, when, uh, you know, in March of 2020, after the first DC leadership conference where I had an opportunity to, to preside as the president, the world kind of turned. And I think one thing we should all be very proud of is our leadership, our board, our staff, mm-hmm. and how everybody was able to really pivot on a dime, stay productive, uh, keep our revenue sources going, have very, um, I think, very, very valuable conventions and DC leadership conferences that have been attended by, I would say, almost double the attendance that we had in Rochester the year before the convention by the whole virtual environment. And I think the whole community event platform that has been created, which now has passed over 7,500 community events over the last two years, has just energized our membership and given everybody a chance to really get instantly involved in our organization. And I want to thank you for all the work you've done with the, uh, you know, with the the descriptathons and all your work and in helping with the field visits. But I am telling you, it has, if anything, and Donna Pomerantz challenged me about this when I was a campaign running um, at the Multicultural Affairs Committee, I said that if I got elected president, I would reach out to our entire membership and ask any member how they would like to get involved in our organization and what committee they would like to serve on. And I sent that, uh, you know, uh, request out through constant contact, which we had just acquired And I received well over 100 requests back from people who wanted to join and be part of committees. And I think uh, we've really expanded our committees. We've gotten new energy in them. We've involved lots of new people. And I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of is the the, the true increased uh, level of involvement that we've had across our organization and and all of our Mm -hmm. committees. Uh, It's really... It's really been exciting. Yeah, I know we gained a few new resolutions committee members through that. That's right. You're gonna. I heard. I heard everybody kind of growing and learning there tonight. Yeah, that's good. That's right. That's right. Gabe, do we so, have time for one more? Judy's had her Judy's, hand up on the panel. Judy's. Side. Yeah. Oh. Okay, yeah. Yeah. We'll have. Let's one. have Judy, and we can. This Judy will be our last question. So mm-hmm. if we can do it kind of quickly. Okay. Yeah. What. I just want to make sure I wanted you to remind me of what our board, what your, what the ACB board had to do to allow this wonderful thing with everybody voting. We're allowing it, but I just want to make sure our board uh, does everything we need to do to legitimize it. Even if we have to do it after the fact. When you say your board, are you meaning the CCB board or or you mean that? I want to know what ACB did so that we make sure to do the same thing. Oh, oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, well, we really, um, I, I think, one, we had to, we had to uh, change our constitution and bylaws to allow for remote voting, which was something we uh, did not have in place. Uh, you had um, 
you know, it, the way the Constitution was written, it required a paper ballot. And so we, we had to change our Constitution. Uh, and, and we amended that last year in uh, 2021 at a virtual convention uh, with a kind of a special session that was called to, to vote on changing our Constitution to allow everybody to vote. And then we really had to work at evaluating several different um, firms that provided voting. And kind of a little bit of what Gene was talking about earlier, one of our, our true criteria, several true criteria, but one was that it had to be equal access to everybody. You didn't have to do it electronically. We needed an option for people to vote by the phone and even receive operator assist, assistance if they needed to. And then we needed uh, an entity that could turn a ballot around for us in two hours because uh, last year, especially, we may have had the need to vote multiple times in one day. Uh, so those were kind of the rules that we put in place. And then I think with Zoom, it really allowed us the opportunity to do our affiliate roll call vote in a virtual environment. Mm -hmm. And this year, we'll learn how to do it in a hybrid environment where some delegates will be voting from the floor and some virtually. Yeah. Uh, so I think all of those, uh, all of those came together. And then I really have to compliment the voting task force because I think the hardest thing in this was really the education and getting the word out and getting everybody to understand how the individual vote and the affiliate roll call vote was going to work. I will still say one of the things that especially our newer members are still and our, and our newly engaged members are still kind of confused on is how the ACB vote works versus the affiliate roll call vote and how they collect their votes. So anything CCB can do for their members to truly inform their members of how their affiliate delegate vote will work would be helpful. Well, I think we've done everything that we, we, we were ahead of you. We had remote voting uh, in our bylaws early on, and we uh, have voting in place for voting this, this convention, and we have for the last two. So I'm assured now that our board has done everything that we need to do to legitimize everyone's voting. And I and I observed your elections last year, and you did a fantastic job. They were really very well done. Okay. Thank you, Dan. The, the, Thank we you, we learned from the first year we did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you Thank always you. learn, right? That's the other thing I, I share with people. We're not going to be perfect, so we we have to continue to have patience and learn uh, as we move along in the process. Well, and I and I said that back in 2020 when I think it took about three days to do our first vote. Okay. Maybe only two hours, but I, yeah, I, I said, Hey, you know, we, we have to do it once before we learn where to improve it. Right. Yep. And I, yep. I think ACB, I think ACB has done that even with the vote now from last year to this year, where, you know, like what Donna was saying, if there were some people that uh, weren't able to vote over the phone and, and ACB has learned from that and said, okay, what can we put in place this year to ensure that that doesn't happen? Yeah, it's always a process of moving forward. So that's right. Dan, thank you. Thank you for uh, being here tonight. Thank you for uh, staying up and late into your evening with us. 
Um, a lot of good information. Thank you for the, the questions that folks asked. And uh, if you would like to hang around, you are more than welcome to. All right. Uh, well, thank we you, have- and have a wonderful convention. And I'll stay around and listen for a while. I want to hear. I want to hear those excellent remarks that are coming. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. You're a tough act to follow. Um, Next up on our agenda tonight, uh, I think I'm supposed to be introducing myself. Um, We have our president's report, so I will be uh, making a few remarks. I have several folks to to thank. I'm sure I will miss plenty of people, Um, highlight some of what we've done over the last year. Um, We had a resolution several years ago that... um, well, it, it, it called on the president to uh, go through and, and kind of give an update on previous year's resolutions. Um, that kind of fell, fell uh, away a little bit. We actually have another resolution that we'll hear on Sunday that uh, basically is, is uh, kind of reiterating that. So it's a practice that I've tried to bring back and that, that will continue going forward. So I'll go over some of those and then talk about some things of what we can do and where we can go forward. Um, kind of mix all of that in, in together. So um, thank you everybody for, for being here and listening here. So um, to begin with, I definitely want to thank Sarah Harris and the convention planning committee for all of the work in putting together uh, this convention and all of the panels that we're going to hear over the next few days, all of the, uh, all of the work that has gone in behind the scenes to, to make this happen. A um, couple of folks that, that helped me, like I said, Sarah was definitely the, the force that, uh, that helped to guide everybody. So thank you to her for keeping everyone on track. Uh, Guillermo, I wanna say thank you to you for your work and in, in the, the, you know, you really helped with getting the Zoom registration up and going and working that one out. Um, Larry Gassman helped with um, arranging all of the ACB media and streaming teams and, uh, and the Zoom hosts. So uh, thank you to Larry for your work. We had a, a group of folks, um, I believe it was Andrea, Phil, and Steve, who uh, got together and really worked on getting our exhibitors together and making that happen. So we were able to have an, a, a uh, um, virtual exhibit hall, but there were, there were many more. Uh, Jeff, Lisa, um, Rob, for all of your work with uh, getting all of the panelists invites together and making sure everybody got their invites so they could actually be here and, and be able to present. So thank you to you. Um, I know I'm missing others on there, but it was definitely a, uh, a group effort to be able to put this together. And I hope everybody over the next few days is definitely going to enjoy this convention. <clears throat> um, for myself, um, it was two years ago that uh, Judy had said that she was going to step down and not run for another term as president and at that point I kind of took a big gulp and uh, not not of the sort of variety and and realized that oh my goodness Judy you're you're not going to do this again and uh, 
and that I was, uh, it, it was my, my time to step up and run. Um, about that time, the pandemic hit and everything kind of flipped on its ear as, as Dan was talking about earlier, but I think we have definitely, CCB has definitely um, been equal to the challenge. Uh, one of the things that Judy had said to me was that it was hard to, to not get caught up in the day-to-day -day details, you know, phone calls, responding to emails, and uh, you know, doing those kinds of things. Um, that's true. There's a big part of the of the job is um, handling those phone calls. People have you know members that have questions. Um, somebody that that was you know maybe they're not even a member but they're looking for um, assistance. You know, um, I I just lost my sight or you know I'm blind and I'm having this kind of an issue. So, you know, it, it is definitely, um, you know, from, from day to day, there's definitely a lot of those kinds of things that it is, you know, just simply responding to it, you know, since I work all day, a lot of times I, by the end of my day, I have a lot of voicemails to return, or at least a couple. So, you know, getting those done. Uh, but it's also one of my favorite parts of, of the position is talking to our members, um, talking to people that uh, maybe I haven't even met before, maybe people that I, I've known their name or known them, but not known them well. And you know, something comes up and I'm able to, to talk to them and learn who they are, learn what we can do for them and, and just to learn what CCB is meant to them. So, um, well, that's one of the more, um, yeah, it, it seems like one of those small details, but at the same time, it is definitely one of the, the um, rewarding points of it. Um, obviously, attending a lot of meetings, um, both just, you know, committee meetings um, from, from night to night to night to um, being able to attend chapter meetings. I've, I've really enjoyed over these last couple of years. Um, being invited to and, and being able to attend chapter meetings all up and down the state. That's something that I probably, you know, three, four years ago, I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do quite as much. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've said here that uh, that's one of the positives, I guess. If, if we're going to look for a positive of this pandemic, I definitely feel like that is a positive is, um, is having that opportunity. Um, and just a, just a side note, I was thinking uh, as we were listening to, to Dan and talking about virtual conventions, it was probably five or so years ago that again, thinking of resolutions, we, we passed a resolution that called on CCB to look at what can we do to have a hybrid convention in the future? What can we do to attend people to, or to allow people to attend remotely? Little did we know that a couple of years after we passed that resolution, we would all be forced into 
virtual attendance. And thank goodness we had that uh, clause in our, our bylaws that allowed us to expand and, and take advantage of technology as it became available. Um, one of the other things I do is obviously work with Nicole Pacheco on, on a, uh, on a day, daily basis, pretty much. Um, there's a lot of things that come up that uh, now I'd probably actually talk to Nicole once or twice a week, but we are in almost constant contact through text messages. Um, as I said earlier, I'm not able to answer the phones during the day if, if I receive phone calls, but um, text messages I am able to respond to on a bit quicker of a basis. So Nicole and I text back and forth quite a bit. Um, a lot of times it's Nicole and Lisa and I that are on a group text and uh, going back and forth on, on various aspects of things. So um, I wanna make sure to, to thank Nicole for all of her work and being in the office to answer those calls and, and assist folks and assist me with stuff and just make sure that the, um, between Lisa and, and Nicole, they definitely assist with making sure the business side of CCB um, runs smoothly. Um, at times that Nicole is out, we have a, a few volunteers that volunteer to handle the phone. So thank you to you guys. Um, Guillermo, before he went and got a real job, did a lot of that. Steve Bauer helps. Um, Andrea DeClotz. <clears throat> uh, thank you to you, you guys for all stepping up and, and being able to help make sure that we're still able to answer the phones and, and answer questions when, uh, when Nicole is out of the office. Um, I guess uh, some of the, the bad news that everybody knows, our nonprofit status was suspended um, you know, here about a, a year or so ago. Uh, so we haven't been able to do the fundraising types of things that we we had wanted to do and uh, and uh, aren't able to. Um, so where are we with that? Well, we've gotten all of our stuff submitted in. A huge thank you again to Lisa. We probably would have spent thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars, on uh, financial aid, um, and by financial aid, I mean you know, having uh, tax preparation and lawyers preparing all of the work that Lisa did and um, getting our books in order, getting our, our back taxes and everything reconciled and getting it submitted. So now we're waiting for the IRS to get around to where they are reviewing our um, our application for reinstatement and, and going through those back taxes and making sure that everything um, is there. And then at that point, getting reinstated. Uh, we're, we're very hopeful that that happens sooner than later, especially now that tax season is over. And hopefully the IRS can move on to um, catching up with some of their backlog stuff. So without our nonprofit status, what can we do? Um, 
The strength of our organization is still in our membership and our members. This year, we certified 515 members, I believe it is, with with the ACB. Um, That's down a little bit from the previous year. Uh, I think it's down around uh, 20 or 25. But this year, we had three of our chapters that did not uh, submit their documentation. So I think we're gonna, what we can do is we can task our membership committee with reaching out to those chapters to make sure that that doesn't happen again next year. Um, With that, the biggest thing that we can do is we can be out in the community, make sure that we're seen, make sure that we're still doing our advocacy work. Um, even something like a picnic, just being out there where people will come talk to us and say, hey, what are you guys all up to? What do you do? Um, you know, maybe through something like that, we find out that somebody's grandmother or somebody's you know, brother or sister or child is, is blind and is struggling. And maybe we make another contact where CCB can reach out to that family, reach out to that person and be able to help. We can do things like attending city council meetings, um, you know, advocating for APSs, et cetera, those, you know, all those different kinds of things. We can still do our advocacy work and, and be out there talking to people, uh, advocating and uh, you know, making a difference in the world around us, uh, regardless of what our nonprofit status is. Um, so with that, um, I would like to move into talking about some of our past resolutions. We've made some notes and um, hopefully I'm accurate on these things. And if not, I'm sure somebody will uh, let me know later. But uh, our, our resolution one dealt with healthcare worker awareness training. Um, I think this is something that is going to definitely be a long-term project. It's not something that we were able to do right off, but we, um, we do have good relationships with other uh, disability organizations. So I think with, through conversations with those other organizations that um, this is something that maybe we will be able to look at uh, getting some legislation moving forward. Um, it's not something we're able to do right now, but um, this resolution was also sent on to ACB, and I believe that it was adopted by the ACB board last year. So hopefully ACB is also working on it. And, uh, and so that would be another avenue is kind of dovetailing onto what ACB is is doing. Uh, Resolution number two was on the uh, translation of our various um, publications, the Blank Californian, the the, um, happenings, those things into other languages. Our publications committee did did do a lot of outreach to our chapter and affiliate presidents. Um, I think they did, you know, they sent out some surveys. They, uh, I know they talked at uh, our monthly president's meetings where we bring all of our presidents together to talk about various issues. 
Um, so it was, it was definitely brought up there. Um, there really wasn't, you know, I, I know there's interest in it, but um, they really didn't get a lot of feedback that, um, that either that people were re really requesting it or, um, and, and this is probably the bigger one, is that you know, of anyone that would be willing to be able to go through and translate everything. And so what the publications committee had reported um, to the CCB board when they gave us a report on that was that if anybody does need those that translation, that they'd be encouraged to reach out to ACB's Multicultural Affairs Committee. Um, excuse me, just a moment here. I need to get a drink before I start coughing. All right. Um, Resolutions three, four, and five, I believe, were withdrawn, so we don't have anything on those. Resolution number six was on Apple updates. Again, this is another one that was referred to ACB, and to be honest, we really didn't uh, didn't do a lot in uh, in reaching out and trying to trying to contact Apple or anything. Um, it was brought back to, or actually, it was uh, withdrawn from the ACB. Uh, consideration last year, but it has been brought back this year. Um, I note, I believe we're going to be discussing it again next Tuesday. So if you're interested, come join us on resolutions for that discussion. And uh, you know, I think what we're going to try to do is work with ACB's, and I always forget the right name of the committee. Um, but they're basically their technology committee and uh, maybe leverage some of the um, relationships that ACB already has with Apple to make sure that Apple is aware of these concerns um, of, of uh, accessibility uh, issues in uh, mainly and mostly in iOS updates is what it was focused on, but in all software updates, to be honest. Um, number seven was on the Pentair Screen Logic Pool app. We did send a letter on that one. We did not hear anything back from them. Um, this as resolution was also brought to ACB last year and withdrawn and is being brought back again this year. So um, you know, hopefully between us here in California and ACB on the national level, we can bring bring pressure on the company to make sure that their smartphone and Amazon device, see, aren't you guys all proud of me for not saying her name? Um, they're, those apps are all accessible. Um, a resolution number eight was on Voices for Public, Trans, uh, Voices for Public Transit. And we have several Bay Area chapters that I know are quite active in that group. Um, I haven't heard a whole lot on it other than I, I know they've uh, really been active in making sure that our it, uh, concerns are brought forward when there are transit um, transit issues and, and transit considerations being done. Um, and, and CCB is definitely supportive of 
that effort and is, is here to do whatever we can to help those chapters. Um, our ninth resolution is on uh, equity through law enforcement training. Um, to be honest, I don't know that we really did anything on that resolution. Um, that's one that it's, it's here. We know about it. We need to work on it in the future. So that was one where just um, other than saying the ball was dropped on it, there's not much I can really uh, say on it because I, you know, I, I uh, am not aware of anything that we did. Um, our number, our resolution number 10 on training centers, that one was a big one. I know that the Blind Advisory Committee has already started working with the Department of Rehab on it and to bring forward our concerns. Um, we've got our two, uh, two representatives on the back, uh, Sarah Harris and Mitch Pomerantz, that... Um, that I know they will uh, continue to monitor this. And if we need to take any further action as an organization, we will. Um, I believe we, even, we also sent a letter to the director of rehab on this issue. So they are well aware. Um, we also sent it to ACB and ACB adopted it. Um, and I, I believe their uh, rehab, um, it was a rehab task force, is it? Uh, is was tasked to kind of work on it and be able to disseminate things to um, affiliates around the country to make sure that they have the tools to uh, work on it. Um, let's see, 11 and 12 were somewhat related. Uh, 11 was on the Art Council, um, uh, let's see, let's see if I can actually read it. Arts a Council Blind and Low Vision Artists. And there was another one on Cal Arts Grant Portal uh, that wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't accessible. And so we, we sent letters to those. I really did not hear anything back on either of those. So um, I'm not sure if those have been improved or not. Um, number 13 was on, um, on pandemic response. Um, I believe we sent a letter to all of the different legislators and such that were listed in the resolution, letting them know of those concerns. Um, access, it's one of those that really on the, on the local levels, it seemed like there were varying degrees of access to the testing centers. It seemed like those kind of varied from area to area. As Dan talked about a little while ago, um, ACB is actively involved in working towards making sure that there's accessible test kits for COVID, that uh, accessible home test kits that are available. Um, again, that's another one that as much as might could have been done, we probably could have done more. And it's going to be one of those that is probably going to need to really be a, a multi-year thing to make sure that there's stuff that, uh, that is improved on an ongoing basis. Um, our next resolution, number 14, 
was on California law enforcement data collection. And that one really was going to be ACB's Governmental Affairs Committee working with the um, our inclusive diversity affiliate. Um, you know, we were hoping that IDC would be able to take point on that and that ACB could, or CCB would be able to, to lend assistance where needed. I haven't seen or heard anything. So that's probably another one that's, um, you know, we're, we're going to need to make sure that it doesn't, uh, doesn't fall away, but that we continue to, to monitor that and to keep it on our, on our uh, radar to be able to work on it. And then finally, resolutions numbers 15 and 16 were our gratitude resolutions. And for sure, we uh, definitely thanked all of the volunteers and all of the, the folks that made that uh, made last year's convention happen. Um, next, I want to talk about you know, funding again. Let's come back to talking about funding. Energy Upgrade California, um, I'm happy to say that they have asked us to, ex if uh, we would be willing to extend our contract with them. Um, so we have, they've extended us through October of this year. Uh, so we're happy to continue that partnership with EUC. Um, James Collins has done a wonderful job with that that project and that grant in um, you know, doing the education of it. And now we are moving on to more, more of a um, sustaining or maintaining uh, maintenance uh, process, uh, point of that program. I think EUC is probably looking at, at stuff for down, years down the road, but um, they've really done a lot of the educating over the last few years, and they're looking into more of that maintenance. So um, we're happy to be be a part of that. Um, I think we can really be optimistic for the future. Um, we've come through the, the pandemic of the last couple of years, and you know, as I've said before, a little while ago, our our strength is in our membership. It's not necessarily in the finances we have. You know, it, we're a grassroots organization. We still have the ability to talk to people, to send letters, and to, to do the, the advocacy work that has made CCB what we are. Um, that being said, we, are, we do live in a world where funding is needed. Um, you know, we're, we're at an okay spot right now. We're definitely much better off, I would say, than we were a few years ago. If any, for anyone who has regularly attended our board meetings, it wasn't that long ago that uh, our cash on hand at the end of the month was going to be $10,000, maybe $15,000. And, uh, and so we are, are much better off than we were before. But moving forward, um, one of the things I still want to do is something that I had said when I ran for president a couple of years ago. I want to see us be able to go out and partner with for-profit companies and, and to get funding for projects. Obviously, we have to um, get, re get our nonprofit reinstated before we can start 
doing that. But I think we can definitely start doing laying the groundwork for that before we get that and, and we can start uh, preparing. So to that end, I uh, probably within the next few months want to start getting some groups together, uh, kind of small groups to start talking about what kinds of projects would we like to do and be able to have an idea, have a, at least a short list of some very practical projects that, we, that CCB would like to have funded. That way, once we are able to, we can start going out and looking for, uh, for, for places to partner with that would be able and willing to help fund us on that. Um, so to that end, I would like to remind everyone that we do have voting tomorrow night for seven different uh, officer and director positions. Everybody should have their voting phone number. And a reminder to those of you that are delegates or alternate delegates, um, you will need to be here on Zoom. Uh, it will be a different Zoom line or Zoom webinar uh, line. Um, and uh, if there are any contested elections, you will need to be there to be able to cast your chapter affiliate vote. Um, if there's any questions on that, I, I will be getting the information out to presidents again to be able this evening after our, our session tonight to be able to make sure that they're uh, delegates and alternates have those. Um, but at this point, I would like to go ahead and see if there are any questions. There is a hand raised. Artist. Okay. Artist, hello. Yes, I wanted to ask a question about, um, I know, uh, um, CCB did not accept any exhibitors and sponsors to um, pay for advertising for the convention. And exhibitors and, and um, companies really are using this as a business expense. So it's not that they're using the nonprofit status. So I was just curious why um, you wouldn't accept um, paid exhibitors or sponsorship funds, which, you know, would be their way of uh, advertising? Um, well, we, we do have exhibitors this year. Um, but as far as we, we did not do sponsors, we just basically we didn't want to blur those lines, um, whether they whether it was somebody that or a company that um, that would have uh, written it off as, as an advertising expense. Um, we just don't want to blur those lines. We didn't want to do anything basically that would uh, be questioned by the IRS or by any anyone else really, as far as um, as far as uh, you know, looking like we're doing any kind of fundraising. But um, like I said, we do have exhibitors and uh, are happy to have those partnerships. Um, and hopefully next year we can, can uh, go a step further with those. Does that answer your question? 
Yes, that's fine. Thanks. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. Any other questions? There are no other hands raised right now. No other hands? Mm -mm. Did I really put everybody to sleep that quickly? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Is it Sunday yet? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's Sunday somewhere, I'm sure, uh, Larry. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess in that case... Um, we are pretty much right on time, yes. but before we move on to our next agenda item, I would like to bring Lisa back up to spin a wheel and give away some more money. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go ahead and do it. We're going to give away another $25 Amazon gift card. This one was donated by the San Francisco chapter. Yay, San Francisco. And the winner is Steve Emerson. Congratulations, Steve. Congratulations, Steve. All right. Thank you, Lisa. And we will have, I think, two more door prizes before the night is over. So stay tuned. All right. So we've talked about legislation. We've talked about advocacy. All of that stuff is, is uh, spearheaded through our governmental affairs committee. So next up, we're actually going to hear from several members of that committee. So I would like to, at this point, hopefully they're all here and waiting. Um, let's bring on Jeff Tom, Director of Governmental Affairs. Um, then we have Artis Bazin, who is co-chair of our Governmental Affairs Committee. I know Artis is here. We also have Alice Turner, who is our other co-chair of governmental affairs and um, also we want to bring on Regina Brink who has been ably serving as our deputy director of governmental affairs so um, and it says here I just want to point out it says here that Jeff Palm is in Sacramento California but he is not. He is coming to us tonight from Denver. Uh, Artis is in is from Burbank. Alice is from Sunnyvale, and uh, Regina is actually in Sacramento, I believe. So, at this point, guys, let's go ahead and uh, have you guys give your report. So, welcome and thank you. Okay, thank you. So. Um, I have been saved by Gabe from doing the introductions, which saves a couple minutes. Um, but the one thing I did want to say before I turn it over to Alice and Artis to begin talking about some of the federal, the uh, national level advocacy that we've done is that really this, although you're only going to hear from the four of us, this is really a story of, you know, many, many of you and all that you have done whenever, you know, you've been called upon. And so 
you know, I'm not going to, and neither or are um, my cohorts going to mention uh, too many names, I'm sure, but know, know well that we really appreciate each and every one of you um, for, for the letters you write, for the work that you do. And it, 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 we wouldn't be, and I don't say this lightly, we wouldn't be the uh, undisputed number one advocacy agency for people who are blind or visually impaired in California, if it were not for all of you. So with that, I want to turn it over for the first part of our program to Artis and Alice. Okay. <clears throat> well, I am first going to um, tell you about the four un- imperatives that we discussed with legislators at the ACB Legislative Seminar. So I'm going to briefly give the title and a, just a sentence about each one so you kind of get a flavor of what the advocates from California uh, did at the ACB seminar. It was virtual again this year, so we got more participants than we would have if we had gone in person. Um, the first imperative was the exercise in Fitness for All Act, and that is Senate 2504 and HR 4756. And this would require exercise and fitness facilities to provide at least a basic level of accessibility for both equipment and instruction. The second imperative was the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. And this was HR 4853. Um, This requires the Food and Drug Administration to work on the non-visual accessibility and looking at approvals for class two and class C medical devices with visual displays to make sure that they're accessible for people with uh, disabilities. Number three is the website and Application Accessibility Act. And this would um, provide access for websites and applications and other online services um, requiring the Department of Justice to uh, provide the, that civil rights for people with disabilities occurs for online and also provide guidance for website and application and other online services must be accessible for all. Number four is the communication and video accessibility Amendments Act, and this would make the the 
FCC ensure that everyone could receive audio description content from their local broadcasters utilizing technology that is already required um, for emergency alerts for people and also make sure that uh, content requirements are modernized to reflect the ever-changing accessible um, and um, internet protocols for online delivery for video content because we're doing a lot more streaming nowadays. I wanted to let you all know that we did have um, 27 participants from California that participated in the legislative seminar. And we had 15 teams that actually met with legislators um, during the conference. And so that took a lot of time and effort by a lot of people to make sure that we talked to um, every legislator in California. And we even had to pull in a couple people that weren't really participants, but in order to get to talk to some of the legislators that would only talk to us if we had a constituent in our midst. So I wanna thank all of you for that participation because we really, we really appreciated everyone's activity. Now I'm gonna turn it over to Alice. Um, Great. Wonderful. Thank you, Artis. And as, as Artis mentioned, um, we could not do the legislative activity that we do at the national level nor at the local level without the help of everyone. So just a, a word of thanks and praise uh, to Government Affairs Committee members, to our many legislative liaisons. And then as Artis mentioned, for the members who jumped in and joined in um, to participate in in. Um, having these meetings with their Congress. Uh, so some feedback that we received from individuals who participated in this is that uh, first and foremost, many of them said that the training that the Government Affairs Committee planned to help people to learn about the imperatives, uh, to practice um, speaking about them, and then also to troubleshoot some of the challenges with making appointments um, so that the training that we provided was considered very valuable. Uh, the legislative and leadership seminar uh, workshop that provided very detailed information about the imperatives and how to approach it was also valued as very high. Some of the challenges, and artists referred to it, is that in making appointments, it's becoming more and more challenging in this virtual arena. The good news is that we have more participation. The bad news is that we're really chasing down these staffers to uh, be able to hold meetings with them. And one of those barriers that is becoming more and more prevalent is that uh, a congressperson needs to have a constituent in the actual meetings. So uh, in the future, we may reach out to folks um, based on where you live to participate in this meeting. You don't need to speak, you can learn, um, but that way the meetings can go forward. 
And another um, just word of praise to the members who came in um, new this year um, to jump in and learn the process. And secondarily, uh, for the people that come back and do this every year for us, uh, we have some champions, um, artists being one of them, um, and many others who come back and do this for us time and time again. And we know it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. But the most important thing is, as Jeff mentioned, we are are known as the premier advocate for issues in the state of California and beyond. And we do that because of your work and your involvement. Um, so that's some of the feedback. Next year, we don't know if it's going to be virtual, in-person, or hybrid. But what we do know is that we will be showing up once again and voicing our concerns and discussing the imperatives. Um, so thanks to all. I'm going to turn it over to Jeff now, who's going to switch our focus to informing us about some of the legislative imperatives or actions and bills that are going on. So back to you, Jeff. Okay, thank you, Alice. So AB 371 would be extremely fascinating if it wasn't for the fact that it's so serious. Um, But I'll, I'll make it fascinating anyway as well. Um, As many of you know, AB 371 is a bill that we are sponsoring through some of my original Joan Sawyer. And I want to thank uh, Mitch Pomerantz again for the original contact with Mr. Sawyer in in years uh, gone by. Um, And this bill would require um, companies who rent scooters that you see all over our sidewalks nowadays, these e-scooters, to... In, have insurance, and of course it could be paid for and should be paid for by the scooter rent, renters, but the, the, there would have to be uh, insurance for accidents in which a pedestrian was injured or suffered property damage. So um, it stalled last August, um, and, and it's kind of interesting. I One of the practices that I've always tried to do, as have others before me, um, Mitch and others, is I always try to, you know, pull the Governmental Affairs Committee as best I can through email most of the time. But every once in a while, you come upon a situation that is, we have to have your answer, we have to have it now, and if you, whatever you tell us, and that's what happened with Gabe and I last August. And they wanted to basically say, okay, we'll let your bill pass, but you're going to have to make it an optional bill and nobody's going to have to do anything. And Gabe and I said, look, our members would not stand for that. And so um, the bill stalled, but we have another year and it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, and we've discovered some things um, and with, with some help from Gene Lozano, who's been on some of our calls as well. Um, we discovered that there are a couple places in Europe that have uh, mandated some insurance for these e-scooters and in the city of Cincinnati. So um, we'll probably have a hearing on this bill. It could be June. It could be July. Um, it, it, doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't have a deadline until roughly August. So, you know, we don't, we don't have too many hurdles left since it's already passed its first house. It's in the Senate now. Um, and we may end up having to bite the bullet on some things, including um, much lower dollar amounts of insurance than we have currently 
we currently, I think, have 100,000 for each incident. And I think it's 500,000, if I recall what it was a year ago, for total. And we may have to bring that way down. But um, I think we have a real shot getting this passed. We will certainly call upon you to get those letters in um, when the time comes. And it's going to be coming up here pretty soon. So, um, and, and we're going to concentrate also on something that from the very beginning, Gene Lozano was demanding very loudly and very adamantly, and that is data collection on these incidents so that we have the data that shows that it's a real problem. So we still have some hurdles to climb, but we are um, more hopeful than we were, say, last August anyway. Um, Okay, let me turn to our second of our three bills, and that is AB 1999. AB 1999 um, would require, through the use of Medicaid money, Medi-Cal, I should say, I'm, I'm... Dealing with so much national advocacy, I forget to use my own state's program that I've worked on for 40 years. I don't know where I'm, what's going on here. Anyway, I would use Medi-Cal money to um, establish at least six pilot mental health projects in, in six, at least six counties for special, specialized mental health services for people with vision loss. Um, it passed its committee on consent, its policy committee. Assembly Health. It's now in Assembly uh, Appropriations Committee, and we don't know what will happen. A lot of that work, um, and we have another bill that you'll hear about in a minute that's also in that committee. A lot of that work happens behind closed doors, and then they come out with their votes. So we'll see what happens. And um, if it does pass, the uh, goal would be for the departments to ask in next year's budget for money to establish these pilot programs. So you're probably looking at getting these programs off the ground um, late in 2023 or early in 2024. That's sort of the goal. And I'm gonna turn it over to discuss the other bill. Um, Oh, I I just should mention, we do have in, in this, not with respect to this bill necessarily, but we do have a, panel on Saturday morning that Alice and I are um, helped help to facilitate and on mental health. And I think it's just such a serious issue for our population. I hope as many of you as possible um, can listen to our, our panel at, at 10 o'clock on Saturday. With that, I want to turn it over to Alice for our third CCB sponsored bill. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Our, our next bill is titled AB. Um, sorry, yeah, 2480, and this bill was introduced by Assemblyman Arambula, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, and the title of the bill is Rehabilitation Services for Persons with uh, Low Vision, and uh, this is, uh, this has also recently passed by consent in April, and it's set for appropriations after that, and this is near and dear to all of us, I think, and what this bill is designed to do is to establish a pilot program in at least six counties uh, for individuals to be able to receive the necessary 
services to prevent them from going into nursing homes or to get folks who are in nursing homes simply because of vision loss the necessary um, skills and capabilities that they need to live in their own in their own homes and live independently. Um, the bill also establishes a um, some criteria as far as the um, number of pilot programs that can be run in the different counties and it is needs to be in both rural and also um, city um, or urban settings. Um, what the the bill is charged with is to let the Department of Rehabilitation know that this pilot program needs to be run and monitored. And the services are delivered as they are now um, in many cases by agencies uh, who provide services so that these agencies would have a pilot program, deliver services such as technology, daily living skills, orientation and mobility, adapting to vision loss um, from the emotional point of view, and to then keep this data and be able to provide a report on the outcomes of um, providing this bill through the pilot, I mean, th these services through the pilot program, and then also to keep data on outreach and any challenges. So we know that uh, we've been missing individuals um, because they haven't been slotted into those slots for Department of Rehabilitation. And people who are new to vision loss need these programs um, as soon as they are experiencing significant vision loss. So um, we're 100% behind this bill and it's set for the next committee as far as appropriations. So back to you, Jeff. Okay, so now I'm going to turn it over to the um, person who, without whose assistance, I wouldn't get anything done, I don't think. And that is Regina Brink. So, Regina. Thank you, Jeff. So, um, related to one of our resolutions, which was tracking of law enforcement for victims who have disabilities, there is actually a bill and this goes to the collaboration that we can do with other organizations and how that pays off so what ccb did was sign on to a letter for ab 1947 and that's called hate crimes against people with disabilities and what it mainly does is track and that's important because if someone has a disability and is a victim of a crime, we don't know if it's a hate crime against their disability status if it's not reported anywhere. And that's what's happening now. So what this bill simply says is if there is a person who is a victim of a, of a crime, that their disability is also recorded so that it can be investigated as a possible hate crime. That doesn't mean it is one. But at least it's it's getting to the to the meat of that, um, that if their disability played any part in it, that that would be something that law enforcement could investigate because they would have the data. So data collection again. And then our drug resolution. I have we have contacted people on the health committee and had very positive responses, but no substantial movement on it. Uh, I think the, from what we have concluded is there's some resistance because some 
some uh, interest, you know, are big, like the pharmaceutical industry. But we're not giving up and we're going to keep uh, at that because we'll find the right person, we think, to bring this drug resolution forward. And what that would do is to more standardize the accessible prescriptions and to make sure that those accessible prescription strategies and devices are available in rural areas and at small uh, neighborhood pharmacies because some of the major ones have them. But the other thing is consistency so that they're consistently delivered and you don't, if you change pharmacies because you move or you change insurance, you don't have to get everything all brand new to identify your medicine. And the last thing is SSI. We're still working with the SSI coalition, which is actually um, very active and growing. And we have a good thing to report there. It looks as though there was a uh, restoration of funds for SSI recipients that lost them about 11 years ago. And those funds, it was supposed to be half in 2022 and half in 2024. Well, there's a surplus again in California. And so the coalition argued that why couldn't there be a one-time expense to bring us, you know, people on SSI uh, have that restored the other half in 2023. It would be a one-time expense. And that's what they're looking for with this surplus. So that was... Um, agreed to in the assembly and the senate and then we have heard that it will be coming out in the governor's budget we have his revise so i've yet to see but that's that's what they're seeing along with some kind of golden state stimulus because of high gas and food prices and this would include people who are low income and people that are on ssi so Again, working with other organizations, this coalition, we can get a lot done for our members. I want to thank you guys. There will be hearings May 18th and 19th on the SSI initiatives. And so check your email. You'll be getting details about that. And I'll turn it back to you, Jeff. Okay. And finally, our final bill, before I conclude with a couple of words, will be artists on voting. Yes, I'm going to tell you a little bit about SB 1480. It's the re remote return of the ballot. Uh, currently in California, people with disabilities can receive their ballot online and they can mark it using their specific device, but they have to print it and then either mail it in or bring it to their local polling site. Um, this causes some issues because not everyone has a printer and it might be difficult to find someone that they could borrow their printer or go to the library or other access points. The other thing is that um, you need transportation to go to your poll or to uh, mail a letter. You also have to be able to sign the envelope. And sometimes it's difficult to find the exact place to sign it and be able to tell if your pen was writing so that you make sure it's counted. So this, um, this bill is asking that 
you can do a remote return. Right now, military and overseas voters do uh, return their ballot remotely. Although they do it by a less secure system, they actually fax them in. And well, while this one is requiring a, a secure remote system, and there are two or three companies that do it, and they have uh, undergone some real uh, security um, testing to make sure that they are secure for everyone. It did just go um, through the um, uh, committee for, um, oh gosh, I just lost the word. Um, Elections and reapportionment, uh, it is, something like that. Um, no, the one dealing with money. Um, oh, appropriations. It has appropriations. not happened. It's like everything else. It gets, whenever there's a cost, they hold them up and then they sort of go behind closed doors and decide how they're going to vote. And then they sort of announce what they're going to do. So um, we don't know. But one, even though it has a lot of opposition um, from the anti-e-voting uh, factions, uh, Microsoft endorsed it, which was interesting um, and very positive, I think, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the, you know, e-ballot return, you know, issue. And it's kind of interesting. Um, Democracy Live! Has, has noted that they're using the same software that uh, the NSA and CIA use, apparently. So it's not like this is unsecure software that they're using. But we'll see what happens. So, oh, and I wanted to, before we forget on this, artist, I wanted uh, Democracy Live! Uh, uh, was... Um, as you know, and you publicized, thank, thank you, uh, for us, was willing to send students up to our policy committee. And there were like three students from um, CCB from Santa Clara County. And I wanted to, mm-hmm. um, you know, congratulate them who came up and testified in Sacramento. So I, that was great. I wanted to call that out. So You guys did not say who the author of that bill was. Ah, yes, that is, um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking out. Glazer. Oh, Glazer. yes, it's just, it's uh, <laughs> Glazer, his Mr. <laughs> President Senator. I yes. was going to say, it was my senator. Yes. That's, that's why I wanted to make sure to point <laughs> Now, out. I don't know what will happen to it once it gets into the assembly because the assembly committee chair is the same one that refused to carry our bill last year so on the same issue so we'll see what happens on the other side Mm -hmm. of the aisle but uh and i and i just before we open up for questions i'd just like to acknowledge you know we have people doing so many things you know um chris fedrick along with mitch and sarah on on the blind advisory committee and people on the local level in all sorts of cities doing transportation and housing and emergency disaster assistance and things like that. And, you know, too many for me to mention, but, you know, I just want to thank everybody for all that you do. So I don't know if we have time for questions, Gabe, or not. Well, yeah, no, we've got probably a good uh, 20 to 25 minutes if you guys wanted to take that much worth of questions. I believe we have until about nine o'clock and we're only at about 830 now. 
And is there anything we didn't cover, uh, ladies, that uh, that we might have missed? If you, I can't Not think of anything. Everything that was on our list. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we didn't. Yeah. Ruth Ann has her hand raised. I don't know. I got a note that I could speak. Is that proper? R- R- Ruth Ann, you sound a lot like Bob. Like Bob. Tonight. Yeah. It is. It is I. I well, they yelled at me. I should speak. So I never shut up. Either. Well, well, go I, ahead I think and speak, the, Bob. I think the governmental affairs is doing a fantastic job. And we want to first thank, thank you for your leadership. And we appreciate this so much. Um, 1480. I, I'm not sure I got all this. I, I was saddened to note the democracy. wide is it? was was uh, presented on a Saturday, seven members there. Voting is precious, guys. Voting is precious. And I was worried first that they were going to eliminate talking uh, machines. Jeff Tom assures me that the law protects them here. In, in Washington State, they practically have wiped out talking machines. Mm. Uh, very few voting centers. I want to keep them in all the voting centers, artists. So you're the one who started this, and we appreciate it. My question is, and please forgive me if I'm wrong, 1480, they say that they also have to count the votes um, and put our votes on another ballot, that, that doing it in print because it's not the print ballot, that when it gets to the portal or whatever, and I don't even know what I'm saying, um, they'll have to count the votes uh, and put them on a ballot. Have you heard that? And do we like it? I don't know. Thank you. Artists, you want to? It, it depends on the um, the county, how they're doing it. Okay. But what, what they basically do is they take the barcode and then they have to print it to print the ballot from the barcode because it's coming through electronically. So obviously that's not paper. So it has to be put on paper. So there's a barcode on your, on your ballot, which shows what you've been voting. And that happens, uh, um, uh, you know, anytime they have to, you know, take something off a barcode, then they print it. So it's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, Thank you. You know, it's electronic and has to go to paper. <laughs> it, it's really closer to a ballot. It would be closer to a ballot if 1480 passes than it is now. Right now, yes. when you send in mm-hmm. that piece of paper, it means nothing. Your county elected official has to convert that paper That's right. into that. a ballot. So this would yes. be closer to a ballot, actually. Hey, Deborah Armstrong, you can unmute. All right. Good evening. Um, you know, when I first got started with advocacy, I actually had to take a political science course so I could understand, okay, who's the Senate, who's the Congress, who's local, who's statewide, who's national. We really need a political science one-on-one seminar. Can you guys do something like this for the average member so they don't have to go take a college course to learn how to be a good advocate? You know, Debbie, back in the day before I was president, when Kathy Skyvers was still president, and even a little bit well during my earlier years in it, um, I did those seminars in various places around the state, and I thoroughly enjoyed them. And I know people, and I I enjoyed them because other people enjoyed them. So I would definitely like to do those again. I haven't forgotten everything I learned working for the legislature all that time. And uh, <laughs> I'd be happy to uh, 
do those. And as we come out of Zoom, maybe I'll try and do a few and, and actually do a couple in person as well as in, as well as through Zoom. It's a very good idea. And now I've got some assistance mm-hmm. to help me out too. <laughs> right. And with technology, we can do it and make it available in podcast form, which yep. would be valuable. And also written forms. There are, um, um, you know, uh, written examples telling about the process and all that kind of thing, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, area code 650, ending uh, in, in 650. You may unmute and speak. Hi, this is Linda Johnson. And I just um, just have to say I'm really proud of the work that you all are doing. And I know... I haven't been um, as involved, you know, with um, supporting different bills and such, but I've been asked a couple times to support certain bills and certain agendas, like one was um, for voting, um, like what you're talking about. I was one of the first flying Californians to vote, um, you know, electronically, and then I was asked to work on the AB 1999 and I just really, really appreciate um, the work you're doing. And I think it means a lot to me too, that you've actually reached out to me because I probably would have not, (laughs) you know, done this on my own. So thank you very much for doing that reach out. I think it's really important work that you're all doing and we're all doing. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. That means a lot. Linda is a just a fantastic um, person, and hopefully, as many of you as possible can hear from her on Saturday on our yeah. panel. <laughs> Thanks. And I also think it's a great example of the fact that in our membership, we have individuals who have areas of expertise um, far and wide, um, and that's the richness of our membership. Um, And so when Jeff or Regina or anyone calls upon someone in your area of expertise, uh, that just makes our team bigger, broader, um, and, and better. It does. And I want to recognize Keith Henderson for helping on the drug resolution he's been invaluable on that. Linda Perel has her hand up. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Okay. My question is, considering all of the, the flurry, uh, the constant drumbeat about voter fraud and voter suppression throughout the country, I'm concerned about making sure that we don't contribute in any way to setting up any system that would be vulnerable to hacking and tampering by forces who would wish us harm. I don't think we need to worry about that because they have strict um, uh, national certification standards and also the state has strict standards. And I believe, uh, I know Democracy Live has done demonstrations for the Secretary of State's office. I'm not sure about the other system, but they've been proven um, in lots of different jurisdictions across the country to be secure, and they've never had a problem at all. And like Jeff said, they're actually using some of the same security that is used by NSA and the CIA. So it's it's been very well tested and 
and to be totally safe. One yeah. other comment, Linda, to address. I'm sorry, artist. You know, Go for it. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, the, the other thing I would say is that this bill does not, um, in a way, unfortunately, but it does not require um, online ballot return. It allows the Secretary of State, if she, because it is a she, it's Shirley Weber, um, feels that a system can be securely certified to, um, to therefore certify online ballot returns. So, I mean, you know... If you can do it in a bank and if you could do it in every other part of your daily life, you know, what's not to say you shouldn't be able to do it with voting. And and if we allow and many other states allow um, overseas and veteran voters to do it, why should not voters with disabilities do it? I mean, we're always going to have those opponents. They're going to be out there um, for some good reasons and some bad ones. And, you know, but, but we have to assert our rights no matter what, it seems to me. So, you know. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever get to the place, though, where there are no more paper ballots, where everyone is, all of the voting is electronic? Yeah, yeah. someday. Maybe. But right now they're going to scan it and turn it into a ballot. And yeah, so even, I want to keep that. I'm, I'm in favor of keeping that. I mean, in 20, years, are they going to still, it's so much yeah. cheaper. And, and counties, that, you, you know why we have vote by mail, don't you? We have it for one reason. It's because counties find it cheaper. And yeah. so yeah. ultimately. And people aren't volunteering to do poll working anymore. That's right. Well, that too. But, but the biggest reason is it's cheaper. And, you know, when eventually, um, as life becomes more and more e-centered, um, voting will too, whether it's 10 years or 30 years, I don't know when that'll be, but it's going to happen. Thank you. There are no more hands. I should say that Disability Rights California has really been um, helping us in this effort too, because they are really uh, pro this uh, a remote return bill as well. Well, they actually are the sponsor of the bill in this case. Yes. Right. But we are working closely with them. Yeah, yes. We are. The advantage of this, too, is it helps people with other disabilities, not just print or visual, um, low vision and people that are blind, so or print disabilities. It, it helps people with other disabilities. Thank you very much for your questions, for your attention, and for your advocacy. Anyone else have final Vida. words? Vida. Good evening, everyone. Um, Hi, thank you for all the amazing work you're doing. Wow. Uh, so I had a question, artist. The bill that you talked about uh, with medical devices, and you mentioned specifically class two and class three devices. Can you explain to us what that means? Well, they're mostly devices that deal with uh, like diabetes, um, heart things, um, kidney things. And I don't know why, uh, I don't know what class one is, but I know that there are particularly ones with visual displays. Yeah, class one is more like thermometers. And and things like that. So, class B and C have 
I think it's A, B, and C, actually. And they have to do with the more advanced medical devices, like things that monitor your blood sugar, your heart, your, as you said, your um, blood pressure, that kind of thing. Yeah, but thermometer, a stethoscope, that kind of thing is A. Now there's no more hands. No more. All right. Do you guys have any other closing thoughts? I just want to thank everybody that supports the Governmental Affairs Committee. Jeff is right. We couldn't do it without you in those letters, those comments. Everything that you guys do makes it possible for us to advocate because the more voices they hear, um, the more it gives lends credibility to what we're saying. Definitely. Thank you. I want to say thank you to all of you guys, to Artis and Alice, for ably co-chairing the the Governmental Affairs Committee. There's several more people than what we're hearing tonight that are on that committee. And um, to Jeff and Regina, you guys are boots on the ground, so to speak, of uh, you know going to the Capitol, making those visits, and testifying. So thank you to all of you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Since we've got a couple of minutes here, Lisa, what do you say we do another door prize? I'm with it. Let's do it. So we have another $25 Amazon gift card donated by ACB Capital Chapter. Let's get the wheel spinning. And the winner is Joe Smith. Hey, all right, Joe, a capital chapter member. That's right, that's right. Right. And we're visiting or receiving from all of my current and or past chapters that I've belonged to. So, And a former bowler with the president, isn't that correct? And he used to bowl with you many moons ago? I honestly don't know if he and I ever bowled together. We might have just missed each other on that one. You might have. But congratulations to Joe. All right, next up, and hopefully he is online here, we have to discuss with us tonight our credentials is Frank Welty. And I am here. And you am here. All right. I am here. Yes. Go ahead and speak to us about credentials then. Very good. Here is the California Council of the Blind 2022 Credentials Committee report. All right. Chapter or affiliate, ACB Capital Chapter, President Regina Brink, number of home chapter members, 42, number of votes, eight. Delegate, Joni Patchy. Alternate delegate, Joe Green. Nominating committee representative, Joni Patchy. And then Active Blind End and Valleys Chapter, President Christy Crespin, number of home chapter members, 14, number of votes, five. Delegate, Linda Samolski, 
alternate delegate, Laura Hernandez, nominating committee representative, Linda Samulski. Chapter or affiliate, Bayview chapter, president, Patricia Nash, number of home chapter members, 33. Number of votes, seven. Delegate, Patricia Nash. Alternate delegate, Steve Fort. Nominating committee representative, Patricia Nash. Braille Revival League of California, President Frank Welty. Number of members, 26. Number of votes, five. Delegate, Steve Mendelson. Alternate delegate, Judy Wilkinson. Nominating committee representative, Mike Keithley. California Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. President Frank Welty. Number of members, 36. Number of votes, five. Delegate Frank Welty. Alternate delegate Olivia Ostergaard. Nominating committee representative Andy Baracco. CCB students, President <clears throat> Aaron Espinosa. Members, 18. Number of votes, five. Delegate Aaron Espinosa. Alternate delegate. Matthew Gipp, nominating committee representative, Aaron Espinoza. California Council of Citizens with Low Vision, President Catherine Schmidt Whitaker, number of members, 32, votes, five. Delegate Catherine Schmidt Whitaker, alternate delegate Eugene Lozano, nominating committee member and representative Catherine Schmidt Whitaker. California Diabetics in Action, President Christy Crespin. Number of members, 14. Number of votes, five. Delegate, Nellie Emerson. Alternate delegate, Nicolette Noyes. Number of, excuse me, <clears throat> nominating committee representative, Christy Crespin. California Library Users of America, President Pamela Metz. Number of members, 46. Number of votes, five. Delegate, Pamela Metz. Alternate delegate, Linda Perel. Nominating committee representative, Pamela Metz. Contra Costa chapter, President Roxanne Stallings. Home chapter members, 11 votes, five. Delegate, Earl Robb. Alternate delegate, Lori Van Allen. Nominating committee representative, Earl Robb. CCB Fresno, President <clears throat> Sarah Harris. Number of home chapter members, 19 votes, five. Delegate Roger Hood, alternate delegate Suzanne Hood, nominating committee representative Sarah Harris. Glendale Burbank chapter, President Anthony J. Signorello. Number of home chapter members, 32 votes, six. Delegate Anthony Signorello, Alternate delegate, Kevin Berkery, nominating committee representative, Anthony Signorello. Golden State Guide Dog Handlers Incorporated, President Susan Glass. Number of members, 53, votes, five. Delegate, Diane Deutsch. Alternate delegate, Susan Glass. Nominating committee representative, Susan Glass. Greater Bakersfield Council of the Blind, President, Chris Fendrick, number of 
Home chapter members, 21. Number of votes, five. Delegate, Giovanni Fonseca. Alternate delegate, Diane Gonzalez. Nominating committee representative, Marnie Baca. Greater Los Angeles chapter, President Steve Bauer. Number of home chapter members, 26. Votes, five. <clears throat> delegate, Guillermo Robles. Alternate delegate, Steve Bauer. Nominating committee representative, Steve Bauer. CCB High Desert chapter, President Darini uh, Dobbins. Home chapter members, 26. Uh, yeah, 26. Votes five. Delegate Bob Acosta, alternate delegate Ruth Ann Acosta, nominating committee representative Bob Acosta. Inclusive diversity of California, President Regina Brink, number of members 39, number of votes five. Delegate uh, Maria Smith, alternate delegate Jessica Marquez. Nominating Committee Representative Linda Perel. In the Empire Chapter, President Christine Bailey. Number of Home Chapter Members, 11 votes, 5. Delegate Christine Bailey. Alternate Delegate Adele Galaviz. Nominating Committee Representative Christine Bailey. Orange County Chapter, President Larry Gassman. Number of home chapter members, 18, votes, five. Delegate, Phil Obregon. Alternate delegate, Andrea DeClotz. Nominating committee representative, Larry Gassman. Randolph Shepard, Vendors of California. President pa Paul Patchy Jr. Number of members, 18, votes, five. Delegate, Paul Patchy Jr. Alternate delegate, none. Uh, nominating Committee Representative Paul Patchy Jr. San Bernardino Council, uh, <clears throat> San Bernardino California Council of the Blind, President Deborah Gossett, number of home chapter members, 20 votes, five. Delegate Theodore Wilbrecht, alternate delegate Deborah Gossett, nominating Committee Representative Theodore Wilbrecht. San Francisco chapter, President Vita Zavoli, number of home chapter members, 37, votes, seven. Delegate, Shana Ray, alternate delegate, Vita Zavoli, nominating committee representative, Vita Zavoli. San Gabriel Valley chapter, President Pam Pology, number of home chapter members, 25, number of votes, five. Delegate, Gail Crossan. Alternate delegate, Nick Goodinger. Nominating committee representative, Gail Crossan. Silicon Valley Council of the Blind, President Rob Turner. Number of home chapter members, 48, votes 10. Delegate, Deborah Armstrong. Alternate delegate, Mike Keithley. Nominating committee representative, Rob Turner. Chapters not credentialed. Golden Gate chapter. Greater Long Beach Chapter, uh, Humboldt uh, Council of the Blind, uh, San Diego Braille Club, and Yosemite Gateway Chapter. This concludes the
Credentials Committee Report. Thank you, Frank. Do we have any questions of, of Frank or of Frank about the uh, credentials report? We have a hand raised. Okay. Robert Wint, you can unmute. Go ahead, Robert. Yep. So I don't know if there's any provision for any exceptions from the floor. Um, my chapter, <laughs> the two meetings prior to, um, <laughs> to the convention, my chapter did not have a, um, then I had to have a quorum. <laughs> so um, we were unable to do anything. And so I kind of hustled the phone call together to get myself as a delegate, but that was the best I could do. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if there's any provision and I'm really not certain um, if there's any provision for being seated in, in an alternative way. Um, not really at this point. Um, we had the deadline of when the credentials needed to, needed to be in, and it was put out several times. Um, yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> okay. So, unfortunately, there's really, really not a a provision for that. Okay. Just thought I would ask. You never know. (laughs) So, it's always worth asking, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Do we have any other hands up? Olivia Ostergaard. Uh, Thank you, um, host. Um, Frank. Um, when do uh, <clears throat> when do our chapters vote, or have we already voted yet? Uh, if you're an no. alternate or a delegate alternate, or alternate I'm an delegate, I'm an alternate um, with would, CAABL. Okay, so that would be for the elections tomorrow evening, and you would also want to be here on Sunday morning in case anything comes up during any resolution voting. Okay, but when do our chapters vote? They vote, the chapters will vote tomorrow night as well. Yes. Okay. During, now, during the elections, been... there will be the individual vote, and there will be the uh, roll the call vote, vote for the. Of okay, the so then we should be our chapter president would be uh, sending us a link for that. Uh, if you're a delegate or an alternate, you should. Have, well, you would be using the the Zoom link that has gone out for uh that said it's for either friday night or sunday oh okay um, that will be okay. going out I, i'll be getting that out to the president's list after the meeting tonight and asking the presidents to make sure that their um that their uh, uh delegates and alternates have it okay. um as well as i think we're probably going to be sending it to the list again tomorrow okay all righty thank you Okay, uh, six five, area code 650, ending in 155, you may unmute. Hey, Roger. <laughs> it's Roger. Oh, how do you know? <laughs> we, we Why does everybody know my Roger? Uh, um, well, I, I, had to, I had to say something because I'm 
sitting up here all alone in my empty apartment. And it's really weird to be doing a convention when you're sitting alone in your apartment. Uh, anyway, I guess I guess I just wanted to say that um, we really need to think about um, how this is all working in terms of credentialing chapters. I mean, uh, the fact that someone should ask, you know, when do we vote and so forth, just, just somehow bothers me. And I think somehow we need to we need to put our hands more directly on these folks, you know, or there the, there needs to be more communication somehow. And I don't know what to do about it because we've we've always had the problem to one degree or another. But uh, you know, what we just did was make clear that who, who's supposed to cast the votes for the chapters, and that's what it's going to be. You know the Mm-hmm. When they call for a certain chapter, the person that was ele- that said they were the delegate is the person that they want to talk to, and the alternate is the substitute. So, um, right. you know, it's really uh, it's unfortunate that we have chapters that are not credentialed, and that we have I don't know, just you know, we we need to need to get the membership committee. Uh, Working, I, you know these. I, I was going to say to, uh, when we were talking about legislation that uh, that one of the reasons it's so successful is that that Alice Turner knows that C's candy works better than vinegar. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know her, she used to work for C's candy. That's why I said that. But then I also was going to say that uh, when we were talking about the the seminar on how the legislature works, I was go- I thought that artist was going to say that she had written a book about that, and uh, but she didn't say that. So maybe she did. maybe she has. I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's been a very interesting evening, and uh, I I just hope that we can. If there, I guess if there's anything I can do to help, I, I, I'm still here, sort of. All right. What's left of me? <laughs> well, thank you, Roger. We appreciate that. And uh, you never know, we may be calling on you. But I would like to say the last couple of years, we, uh, and for several years, every time we went to a convention, there was, I remember there was times where there was five, six, seven chapters that weren't credentialed for one reason or three others Um, in the last few years the last few years we've done a pretty good job of making sure that it happens that way i know that um i don't i still don't know the status of the um all right what's the name of that the, the golden gate chapter did we mention the golden gate chapter uh, well, the Golden Gate chapter did not turn in any membership information this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, there, there, there we can we can talk about that another another evening, maybe. Roger, give me a call sometime. We can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But they, you know, they say they turn them in and we don't get them or something. I don't understand. But anyway, it's it's something that we should 
pay attention to. And uh, I was, on the whole, glad to hear that people. So many people were were here, and there were so many, quite a few votes in, in some of the chapters. Yep. You know, sounds like yep. they got real people in them. They so do. They do. How about that? All right, all right, Roger. Okay, thank thanks, you. Thanks for that. Right. Have a good evening. Okay, so unless what we'll do here, Penny, is we'll say that unless you interrupt me and tell me that there are hands up, we're gonna we're gonna okay. move and say. Um, actually, I guess we need a motion for the adoption of this uh, report. So, do we have anybody that moves adoption of? All right, and it was a motion from the chair, so we don't really need a sec. Don't technically need a second. Okay. So unless we get ten hands that go up, objecting to adoption of this uh, report, we will consider it mm-hmm. passed. We'll give it maybe thirty seconds. So, Penny, if you can keep an eye on that, see if any hands go up. Okay. Nope. I'm not I'm not hearing you say that any hands are going up. So uh-huh. <clears throat> um all right, we have a credentials report. Thank you. Um <laughs> Okay. And and uh and just because we haven't heard from him in so long, I would like to introduce Frank Welty to give us a nominating committee report. Well, good evening, and it's wonderful <laughs> to be back. California you've been gone so long we missed you absolutely you know i'm just glad to see everybody again it's just terrific (laughs) california council of the blind 2022 nominating committee report the california the committee chose the following slate of nominating uh, nominees for the ccb offices president gabe griffith second vice president rob turner Treasurer, Lisa Presley-Thomas. Director one, Larry Gassman. Director two, Regina Brink. Director three, Jeff Tom. Director four, Andrea DeClotz. This concludes the nominating committee report. And I move a do pass. Thank you, Frank. All right. And can I, can I object to that? Is it, is it too late to me to, for, to, for me to object? You'll need nine other people to get you to help you out to get that one, Gabe. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm not, I'm not touching my raise hand thing today. Um, <laughs> do we have any questions about that report? Or about the motion for it. Okay. Well, hearing that there are no hands going up for questions, um, if we have, if there are 10 people that object to that report, go ahead and raise your hands. And if we don't have 10 hands go up in the next few seconds, we will consider it adopted. Okay. Hearing no hands going up, I want to say thank you. Uh, we'll we'll uh, adopt that uh, slate, and that will be the slate of folks that are placed into automatically placed into nomination tomorrow evening. Just a reminder that anyone can to can run from the floor, um, so we'll have nominations from the floor. 
but that will be the, the slate of folks that are automatically placed into nominations. Frank, thank you so much for both of those reports. As always, you do a wonderful job with them. And uh, thank you for your uh, clarity on all of that stuff. Next up, I would like to bring on our CCB bylaws uh, committee chair to give us the bylaws report. And that is Steve Bauer. Thanks, Gabe. And good evening, everyone. Um, The CCB bylaws committee has met several times. um, And also we held a, uh, actually the first event of the pre-convention activities, an open meeting for members to voice their concerns. And what we found out is there's a lot of areas in the bylaws that uh, uh, folks need attention. And I could enumerate several, but it's a a long list. And the bottom line is that the uh, committee has decided not to put forth any amendments this year. We are going to, uh, between now and the next convention, uh, put forward a concerted attempt to get input from members and to come up with a list of priorities. Um, As uh, Sarah Harris said a couple of years ago, there's no way we can do this all in one year, maybe not even two years, uh, maybe, you know, three or more year project. But uh, we want to establish some priorities and bring forward some meaningful amendments to our bylaws, needed amendments to our bylaws um, to the next convention. So I urge all of you who have an interest in this area at all to uh, watch the list. We'll be announcing and in, in the happenings. We'll be announcing these meetings um, coming up where you, your input is is not only avail- available to you, but we, we really need it because we don't have all the answers. A lot of questions have come up in the last uh, few months as to how we're going to proceed. So please pay attention, and uh, we hope to be back with some meaningful amendments uh, in that next year's convention. Um, Mr. President, that's my report for this evening. All right. Thank you, Steve. Um, I don't think that that report requires any action, but uh, thank you. And we will be looking for further information on bylaws. So um, before we do a final door prize, uh, I would like to thank everybody for being here tonight and for uh, attending and joining with us. Um, All the fun does start again tomorrow morning. And to give us a preview of what to expect over the next couple of days, I'd like to bring on our convention planning committee chair, Sarah Harris. Hello and good evening, everyone, if you're still awake out there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, This has been great. Look at us navigating the future together. Um, all right, so tomorrow we have lots of stuff starting at 9 a.m. We have healthcare advocacy, followed by those pesky kiosks, you know, those self-serve kiosks that are everywhere that are going to take place of the Taco Bell workers. Um, that's going to be at um, from 9 to 11 a.m. Um, after that, later that day, we have our second general session starting at 1 p.m. We'll be joined by Andy Amparado from Disability Rights California. Um, Joe Xavier, the Director of Department of Rehab, as well as Ron Brooks to give us a very meaningful uh, conversation about transportation. And he promises that it will be, you know, less than 90 minutes. So it'll be uh, comparable to paratransit. 
Um, and also during that session, we have a couple of surprises. So please join in. And then like Gabe said, later that evening, we will be um, doing our elections. And, and that's going to be a really important part that, you know, come and exercise your right to vote as a CCB member. I also want to just really quick give a shout out and, and make an announcement that Saturday evening after the banquet, uh, Mr. John Ross from the Greater Bakersfield Chapter will be hosting um, hospitality for the convention, and that'll be on that same pre-convention line that we've had everything on. So come and join John Ross after the banquet on Saturday. And all right, back to you, Gabe. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Sarah, for that. So <clears throat> before we go, let's give away some more money. Miss Lisa, are you around? I am around. Let's give away some big money to end the night um, with a gift from my personal favorite chapter, Fresno. Let's do $50. No whammies, no whammies. <laughs> And the winner is Gail Crossin. Congratulations, Yay, Gail. Gail. All right. Well, congratulations to Gail and thank you to Fresno. Andrea Dicklot says her hand raised. All right. Let's go ahead and see what Andrea, ha- Andrea has to say. I just want to remind everybody that we have some wonderful vendors who are going to be available tomorrow and Saturday. Um, please look at the information I set out because they are available at different times. Some of these folks are on the East Coast, and they're not going to be available the whole day, either day. Um, for example, Barry Scheuer will be around all day tomorrow, but Saturday he will only be around from noon to 4. Um, let's see. Uh, um, Envision America is only 11.30 to 1.30 both days. So if you want to see somebody, please check the times that are posted. Um, these folks have been generous to offer their time to us, and um, we'd like to patronize them and support them. So thank you so much. All right. Very important to note. Thank you, Andrea. Okay. Do we have anybody, anyone, any other hands up there? Nicolette Noise. Ah, Nikki. Mm-hmm. Hi there. Um, I'm sorry, I had to leave for half an hour early on, and I don't know whether or not this was mentioned, but I saw a notice that the 9 a.m. Saturday morning program has been canceled. Am I understanding that correctly? But the 10 o'clock one will still be going on on Saturday morning, the 14th. Sir, do you have info on that? Yeah, so there was some Zoom gremlins. Um, I think Rob had sent an email out letting everybody know, and I'm sorry you missed that, Nikki. Zoom gremlins sent that out. Ignore it. Um, oh, okay. And, and, and join in on Saturday at 9 a.m. Actually, thank you thank for you. bringing that up, Nikki. Okay. Well, I was going to anyway, but I thought maybe I was the only one who got it because nobody else mentioned it. So thank you very much. And this has been wonderful. Sarah, can I jump in here? Or Gabe, you. can I jump in here uh, real quick? Uh, it depends on what you're jumping in here for. <laughs> is is it along these? Is it along this? Yes. 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 Please, so, please go ahead and jump in. Um, there have been some questions about invitations that have gone out. Uh, you will receive an email an hour before the webinar opens tomorrow. 
from Zoom. So in case you have lost your ID for whatever reason, expect an email before the meeting starts uh, at nine o'clock. Um, Zoom will automatically send that out. That is so kind of Zoom to do that. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thanks, Guillermo. Anyone else from anything else from anyone about uh, Zoom stuff? Any other questions from our audience? Yes, this is Linda Johnson, and I just have to tell you, I'm really proud of the work you guys are doing, and thank you for your leadership. And that's all I wanted to say. And oh. I appreciated all your time and energy you put into all your work you do. So thank you. That is very kind of you. Thank you. Okay, I'm done. As, as, as Sarah has said about stuff, it's definitely a labor of love. An artist has her hand raised. I, I just Perhaps. wanted to uh, wanted to mention it. Um, I mean, we're mostly sharing the, the phone anyway, so it's not a real big issue. But uh, Kevin never got any of the Zoom reminders that I got. We'll um, take care of that. that he did get that Friday, uh, Sunday one, and he did get the election one. But the ones that come directly from Zoom, of those he's not receiving. Let me check on his, uh, meet with me offline and, and we'll see what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. But I'm glad to hear that he is getting the, uh, the ones for our business meeting portions. Okay. Any other hand there, Penny? I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to say it. No, there's none. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, at uh, let's see, nine twenty-one p.m. I think is about nine minutes ahead of our scheduled time to end by. I will declare us in recess until tomorrow morning. So this is the closing of the first general session of our two thousand twenty-two convention. Thank you, everybody, for being here and attending tonight.